in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 176. That is correct. Isn't it? Yes. Okay. It should be. Yeah, 176. Okay, so. Yeah, we're, we've been on a roll lately. We haven't gotten a knock on wood. We haven't gotten an episode number wrong yet in our brief our brief reign. <laughs> our, 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 be, our brief tenure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is it, folks. Um, the the catch-up train keeps on rolling. I don't know why I keep doing the whole transportation thing. Uh, train, buses, all kinds of stuff. Uh, anyways, um, we're covering uh, Lights Out. So, rather than just do chunks of issues now we're covering a giant storyline so we did uh 21 through 23s for all the individual titles we did villains month and now we're in the lights out and uh <laughs> what we decided and this is we're gonna give this a shot it may work it may not bear with this we're sorry but a while back we did the uh the the rebirth episode and a Granted, that episode was something people were asking for for a long time, and it was a storyline that had been out for a long time. But Rebirth was a series of issues, and we we didn't. Well, I'm rambling. Um, we're gonna cover this like we covered Rebirth, rather than do issue, you know, issue review and then commentary, review commentary for in, each individual issue. Mark and I are gonna treat. The entire lights out event, like a like it's already traded up, and we're gonna do it that way. Um, but uh, so one of us doesn't have to drone on forever. We're gonna take turns on the recaps. Hopefully this works out. We're gonna play with it. Let us know what you guys think. Um, not that it will really matter because we don't plan on getting this far behind <laughs> again in the future. Hopefully not. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Lights Out, it's it's over and done with. I mean, I think we compartmentalized everything prior to this pretty well. I mean, Villains Month, it made sense to stick them all together. Why not put all of Lights Out in one episode? So, I mean, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so we're just going to hop right into it. Um, Lights Out, part one. Mark's going to take the reins. Uh, I'll take part two. Then we'll switch back and forth till the end. So, uh, go ahead, Mark. All right, before we get into this, I figured try to make this as brief as possible, and if I screw up, this is the one I'm going to screw up on, because I figured we'd give a brief recap of how we've gotten to this point with Lights Out. Um, going back, summar- not summarizing, but just skipping to the, hi- the highlights of the issue reviews we've done before from 21 through 23, and the Valence Month, with the, at least the Relic one. The Green Lanterns have had problems with their rings they've noticed that they're not that their rings have been going out this has been a problem not just among the greens but amongst the, some of the, the, the other cores we've found out in the new guardians issue that kyle and the guardians when they went to go check out the anomaly at the end at the edge of space that this reawakened relic who was the, the last survivor of the of a previous universe who is convinced that not only is the emotional spectrum it has a finite supply. It's not infinite, so the rings are drawing on a finite amount of energy. 
and he believes that it was the use of this energy and the dr completely draining of the emotional spectrum in his universe that led to its destruction. And he is determined to not let this happen again, no matter what he has to do. And that included wiping out the beloved Blue Lantern Corps in the last episode last issue of new guardians we reviewed and that pretty much sets the stage for lights out part one so lights out part one begins uh dark days is the title robert venditti is the writer billy tan the penciler and rob hunter is the inker we begin on oa with the central power battery kind of picking up on another aspect of, of the what we've seen before in the other issues which having to do with the entities, that all the entities were sick and either being vomited out of their batteries if they were in there or leaving voluntarily to come together to try to deal with what was killing them or what they needed to do to prevent the emotional spectrum from dying with them. So we find we, we have John, we have Kilowog, Hal, and Salak, and they're dealing with the central power battery that Salak is analyzing it and says the power battery was absolutely the the source of the ring malfunctions and they and talking amongst themselves they at this point Hal, John and Kilowog all agree even though they didn't kind of weren't on the same page to start with that this was a constant problem with the ring because whether you want OA or not that's when it becomes crystal clear that this is a big issue we see Ion John recaps and points out to Hal what happened with Ion when the batter when he got spit out of the power battery looking like he was dying and how they all joined, again, the entities, he joined with the other entities to leave. Hal tries to find Carol because he's really, he's concerned about Carol based on the image that he saw, I think, with Noel Ange in the, in the previous issue. And just as he's going to try to find Carol, what happens? Boom! Kyle shows up using the, uh, using the Indigo boost. His, power, his Indigo powers, his teleportation powers that were boosted by those blue lanterns before they were wiped out he carol ferris the injured saint walker and the templar guardians arrive on oa and carol is trying to warn hal about what, what's coming carol kyle and even the new, the templar guardians basically are trying they give hal basically a a quick little uh, primer on what's been going on about relic who relic is is how Relic believes that you know the emotional spectrum is finite and the fact that the lanterns basically have been destroying the universe every time they use the rings. Hal is kind of flippant in his attitude about it, making it sound like it doesn't, you know, who really cares what he says? Are we going to let this one lab coat, as he calls him, kind of like b boss us around? He even kind of mocks the fact that how, how could one guy take you guys out, one old geezer and things like that. And then all of a sudden, as the, new, as the Templar Guardians try to be funny and kind of make the point of, well, in our defense, he is rather large. And at that point, <laughs> Relic ship arrives on Oa, and Hal Jordan gets his first look at Relic and how gigantic he is. He strides forth from his ship, and he kind of kneels before the green lanterns. He keeps calling them lightsmiths, of course. And he actually offers... Relic actually offers that if they surrender their rings and pledge not to use the emotional spectrum again, that they'll be alive, allowed to leave Oa alive. And Hal kind of is Hal saying, you know, we don't surrender. You know, we're Green Lanterns. We know we're not Lightsmiths, Gulliver. And Relic reiter reiterates his basic premise about the emotional spectrum as being 
drained and you guys are destroying it. Doesn't matter that you know you use staff that you use rings when instead of staffs like in his universe, and they use the bat the, the lantern battery as opposed to a pyramid, which was the collector in his universe. It doesn't matter, and no matter you're you all still you you're all still light users and you're all stubborn and it doesn't really matter because I'm gonna have to make you understand. Kind of like a typical, typical villain attitude, and from that point of view, uh, Relic calls out his his devices, his machinery that begin collecting the emotional spectrum energy, the green energy. They swarm over Hal. They begin to drain the central power battery. Hal doesn't quite get it, and he be- tries to fight Relic with light, which of course does not work. Relic is able to deflect, which we've seen before, I believe, that he's able to deflect energy back at its user. And he blasts Hal. They realize the now John, Kyle, Carol, Hal, everybody else, they kind of realize that he doesn't really care, Relic, about attacking them. All he wants is the central power battery. And they come up with their brief strategy, or they try to come up with a strategy. And Hal goes to deal with Relic to get his attention. John is supposed to be, and Salak are supposed to be sent to go to the armory to get as many of the individual power batteries as they can to charge their rings up, which actually is a, plays into the first image we saw of the new writing team back in Green Lantern 21 when they saw the flash ahead of what was going to happen when Relic was attacking Oa. Um, they get John and Salak get to the armory. Most of the batteries are already destroyed, and they're certainly they're being drained at the times. They grab a bunch of batteries to take take out. The central power Hal is still trying to distract Relic, but it's really not doing much. The central power battery is being drained even more, and essentially at this point they realize that. Uh, even the individual batteries that John and Salak were able to bring back, they're drained. The central power battery is drained, as, and the Relic's machines indicate that no spectrum energy present. Relic used to, uses the fact of how quickly the green power battery drained to prove his point, that the, spect- that the reservoir is almost empty, that your universe is about to be destroyed, and I'm basically doing – I am trying to save it. You're, you're trying to destroy it. So at that moment – the central power battery on Oa is destroyed. And Salak understands what seemingly the others do, do not, is that it's not just a destruction of the central power battery, that now that the central power battery has been destroyed, the way the uh, infrastructure was designed on Oa, that Oa itself is going to be destroyed because of a chain reaction. And Oa is going to die. And that is how part one ends. Yeah. Uh, part two picks up in uh, Green Lantern Corps number 24, titled World's End, with Van Jensen and Robert Venditti, uh, kind of sharing plotting slash writing uh, art by uh, Bernard Chang. Um, we uh, basically pick up right where we left off. Uh, Relic is on Oa, and he's turned his attention back to them, uh, the core members, and says, you know, he still says, you know, Surrender uh, your rings to me uh, unless you want to die. Um, Salak is saying um, they need to abandon Oa because the Oa is about to die and break apart. 
Hal doesn't believe it. He flies off half-cocked like Hal always does, um, which is to the surprise of nobody. Um, <laughs> John goes rocketing off after him. Um, Hal and John uh, attack Relic head-on, uh, which, surprise, surprise, does not work. Um, uh, there's a little quick little tidbit I actually enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> Hal, very shaken up, says, uh, any crash you can walk away from, and John says, for an ace pilot, you sure say that an awful lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Carol comes up and says, you know, well, now that we've uh, exhausted the attack the bad guy head-on option, again, what's the plan? (laughs) So there's no time to come up with a plan. John says, okay, you know what? We can't attack him head-on. We need to abandon Oa. That's all we can do. Um, I'm going to distract Relic. You get everybody off of Oa. Um, Kyle can't teleport everybody away, so John or Kyle, um, John or Kyle, Hal gets the <laughs> the word out to everyone saying, "Hey, uh, when I give the signal, converge on my position. We're abandoning Oa. Sora, get everyone off planet." Uh, 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 from the wounded and the support staff. Uh, Salak, they're on their way to you. Salak uh, gets to the Citadel and runs into those little bots again where he's protected by the Guardians. The Guardians, he's asking them, you know, why are you here? They're saying, you know, we came to learn what our brethren knew uh, before Oa is gone forever and all of our history is lost. And while uh, Salak continues into the Citadel, the Guardians leave to go find Kyle. Uh, and then uh, uh, Sora meets him, uh, uh, Salak, that is, at the center of the Citadel, and the whole thing starts shaking, and she thinks it's an earthquake, but no, surprise, surprise, the entire Citadel is an escape rocket. Uh, so it goes rocketing off planet. And then uh, how, uh, John is talking to the recruits uh, that he had from the, the all the core issues, Um and, you know, they say we're expendable or, you know, whatever. Um, but they all create giant, super bright constructs to get Relic's attention. This pisses him off because they're wasting light that they don't need to. But whatever. Uh, so they start going uh, They start going at it and fighting and all kinds of crap. It, they keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. They start fighting with light, but it doesn't really work. So they kind of switch tactics and, you know, breaking buildings and picking up pieces of stuff and just hitting him physically, which actually does work for a little bit. Um, but it, regardless, it gets uh, Relic's full of tension. That gets all of the little bots that are attacking everybody else off. They have a new directive, Protect Relic. Everybody goes away. Uh, Hal gives the signal and says, get the hell off of Oa, don't stop for a second, just get off planet. Everybody rockets off planet. Uh, Hal uh, contacts Vaz. I don't know why he didn't contact him in the first place. Um, But, I, you know, whatever. He's just now contacting Vaz and saying, hey, I told you to get off planet, but what about the prisoners? Um, Let them go, send them to the impounded ships in the hangar. Vaz unleashes all the science cells. Kanjar Rose like, we're not going to help you fight your battles. And he's like, 
we're not fighting, Kandra. Shut the hell up. Go grab a ship. Everybody get off planet. The whole place is about to explode. Um, so I'm guessing we'll have to deal with that at some point in the future. Or the fact that all of Oa's science cells were emptied of criminals and everybody's on the loose. Um, yes, yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everybody's trying to get off planet. Uh, you know, one of the, I think, was it Druk loses an arm while fighting Relic? Um, um, what was his name? Um, the, the, the one that looked like Larflees. Oh, yes. Oh. Off the top of my head, I'm drawing a blank, too. But, yes, because he sacrifices himself. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, er, Ergon? Ergan? Something like that. Um, I think so. Okay. I'm trying to you you keep you keep describing and see if I can find it just by reading here. That's all right. I don't know if he so, it. so he goes up to um, to John and say, "Take the others and get off planet. I don't want you to die. I'll hold off relic." And John's like, "No way. It's my responsibility." And he's like, "You know what? I'm old and sick. When the ring found me, I was ready to die. I've lived my life. You guys get off and and go on ahead." And so. Um, so that's what John does, and it is our Ergan. Um, but I only ask you to do one thing for me. My people have a custom, and then we trail off. Ergan gets his giant construct back up and draws Relic's attention while every all the rookies get as far away as fast as they possibly can. As soon as Ergan kind of dies and his power uh, levels deplete... We cut to a one-page splash of Oa exploding as John and the rookies are rocketing off uh, and away from the explosion. And John says, which I'm assuming is what um, Ergen asked for, Ergen, may death come on swift feet. May your spirit ever wander. Um, and then uh, now that Oa is, ex- is gone and the um, central power battery is gone, Relic says, okay, I got enough energy. The rest of the charge and all the rings will there are no, of no concern because they're going to die out eventually anyway with no way to recharge. I got enough energy to do what I need to do. The existence can still be saved. All the lanterns are outside of the uh, uh, outside of Oa in space, kind of looking at the destruction. Hal says he failed. And then John says, are we going to rendezvous? Or one of the re- rookies says, are we going to rendezvous with the rest of the core? John says, no. I've got something else in mind, which then we cut over to a panel of the Indigo tribe. And then Hal makes the comment that their rings are almost dead. And uh, no, that's John. No, one of the rookies. These, This isn't the... I didn't recognize that. Okay, so one of the rookies says our rings are almost dead. We can only make it as far as... And then John says, we'll make it. I think we can make it. And then next, uh, New Guardians 24, part three. New Guardians, which is which is interesting alone because if you open the book and got because Gods and Monsters is the title of the issue, but of course it says Part Four inside the book, so that's a mistake. <laughs> but Justin Jordan is the writer, Brad Walker is the penciler, Drew Hennessy with Mark Deering and Ryan Wynn are inkers. So obviously this was a collective effort as far as the inking goes. So New Guardians begins once. From once again, now we see o- Oa, another image of Oa being destroyed. We see Kyle, the Templar Guardians, 
uh, Hal, Kilowog, Carol, that that tier or that group of lanterns went off while John did his and his team did the sacrifice. The rest of the core went in a different direction. They're dealing with the remnants of and the psychological fallout from the destruction of Oa. So, John, excuse me, uh, after talking amongst themselves, trying to figure out what they're going to do, they, Hal decides that they should go to Yismalt because he has an idea with the Red Lanterns, and of course he's also thinking about Guy, which in which he tells Kyle at this point that he sent Guy undercover with the Reds, and since they don't derive all their all their energy from the battery, that they also have their magic and their technology. You know, besides the technology, they have the magic, the blood vomit, uh, everything else that they think that the Reds can help them. At this point, we we see a, a, a they are coming, and Kyle looks mesmerized, and Carol, of course, is very concerned. And then we get a splash page in which we see the entities that have been collected before. We have let's see we have five of the we have five of the seven of the emotional spectrum and we have we the only ones we have everyone let's see I'm just trying to I'm, my mind's thinking so I didn't know how to approach it so we have the blue we have we have blue orange green indigo and satin violet for sapphire we do not have Parallax, we do not have the Butcher, but we also have the white entity mixed in. So we have six entities, six of the eight are there combined with the white entity. They then proceed to all enter, all enter Kyle, and we get a little splash page, of, or not a splash page, we get a panel of Kyle in a way looking almost like he did in the beginning of the New Guardian series when he first wielded all the different rings, except it's a slightly different version. He's all white, his hair is all white, you see the six symbols. And the guard, the uh, entities at this point are, are kind of in control, and Kyle starts to leave, and Hal, of course, says, the hell they are, referring to the entities. So Hal, Carol, they try to confront uh, Kyle in his new form to stop him, and they try to reach or talk to Kyle, and he makes it clear that everyone, that we can hear you, and the, this it's actually the predator talking to Carol. We can all hear you. And while I love you, Star Sapphire, and then the white entity takes over, your presence is no, no longer required. Uh, Carol can use her ring because the, the, pre- the predator must be negating her ability to use it. The rest of the core tries to attack Kyle. And Ion kind of speaks through Kyle like, Hal Jordan, you cannot think to hold us against our will. And they kind of realize once again that this is not a smart strategy. Going at attacking him, you know, with all our energy since we don't have much left. And Kyle, just being the mouthpiece of the entities, they make it clear that you know, relic is not our concern. It is not he who has weakened us. Lantern, this is bigger than you. You cannot aid us or delay us. And if that, and if as for Yismalt, if that is where you wish to spend your what may be your final moments, then go. And Kyle, in his entity hosting form, then basically uses a wave of energy to transport all the all the remaining core members 
and sends them on their way to Yismald, which Hal is not entirely unhappy with because at least it gets, they get to save energy. Now we cut to John and his group of lanterns who are running out of energy very, very quickly. And they're in the sector of space where the Indigo tribe, where Nock should be. And John makes a little joke. He kind of like literally knocks in, knocks on the empty space going knock, knock. And all of a sudden, look what happens. The Indigo world, Nock appears. And they arrive, They enter the atmosphere. They go to see the Indigo tribe. And John asks to speak to Indigo One unless one of you, he says, is Natromo. Now we cut back to Kyle. Kyle, now we hear some interesting inner dialogue when all the entities are talking amongst themselves. We get an acknowledgement of we are not complete. We are not all together. Par- we, you know, Parallax is trapped, the servant of the single most indomitable will in creation. And where that will has taken him, even we cannot sense he is lost to us. So Parallax appears to be off the table. But they do realize that the butcher is not. The butcher wants to come to them. And they need the and they want to go to him and they want to gather the butcher. We have Kyle trying to fight and regain control. And we again, I'm not going to go into great detail about the dialogue on it because it'll take up time. But once again, we have all the conflicting emotions talking amongst themselves using all their key or their keywords relating to their emotion or their color, will, love, want, uh, understanding. And we have the new guardians. The Templar guardians are confronting Kyle, and they are trying to impress upon the entities that we you know we tamed you once before. We can do it again. And the entities kind of scoff at that. But basically, besides trying to work on the entities, it's it tends to be a ploy, if you will, a double, a double edged meaning to what they're saying because they're trying to appeal to Kyle to make it clear that he can tame the entities. He can control them if he, if he, since he mastered the spectrum, there is a way to basically master the entities too. And Kyle understands that you basically let the emotions, you let the different emotions or their, and thus the entities in this case kind of fight amongst themselves, balance each other out. And that's how he is able to maintain control and regain control. So Kyle regains control, and he's talking to the Guardians, and it's a little in, little cute dialogue about the fact that Kyle says, you really couldn't have controlled them all at once, could you have? And, he, and he, the Templar Guardian kind of says, well, nah, I don't know, maybe, but we, w- we definitely were doing what you would call bluffing, and Kyle, I think, appreciates that. And then, a little, and then Kyle... And then the Templar Guardians are having the conversation. The Templar Guardian saying we should connect with Jordan Lantern and the others. I think he was right that the entities help. With the entities' help, we can defeat Relic. And Kyle goes, "No, I know what the entities know. What they can feel. They are screaming at me, and I know what Relic knew. And he is right. We don't need to defeat Relic. We need to help him." And that ends chapter three. And. <clears throat> Chapter four, the true chapter four, um, <laughs> uh, issue 24 of Red Lanterns, titled Hal Jordan Snaps by Charles Sewell and Alessandro Vitti. Um, this picks up basically where 23 left off, where Blees had overheard the conversation between Hal and Guy. Um, so they're kind of confronting each other, and Blees is like, Did I just hear what I think I heard? The others are going to love this, and then after that, you're going to die. 
Uh, and then uh, I'll tell you what you heard, please. I'll tell you what you saw. And then uh, you heard me uh, get betrayed by Hal, and then you saw me kill Atrocitus with your bare hands. Uh, and then he kind of says, well, maybe I'll tell the other Lanterns that uh, you're the traitor. Uh, I could all, and you know, I can always use another ring, inferring that he would kill her and take her ring. Uh, then he asks her, does this place have a bar? Summons the other Red Lanterns. Now he does say, and I'm just going to mention this before we, before I forget it later on. He does say, get everyone up there. It's time for a little powwow. I think. So I believe the lanterns that we've seen thus far in uh, the Red Lanterns book are the only lanterns of the Red Lantern Corps. I uh, think you are correct. Uh, so you know, with the with all the stuff that's been going on in the Red Lantern book prior, uh, in the the death, you know, the battery was dying and all of that. I think, uh, I think all of the, I think these. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. These six lanterns, including uh, Guy, are the only ones plus Belize, uh, I mean not plus uh, plus Dexter and Atrocitus. Um, so there's only eight Red Lantern-powered-ish people out there in the universe at at the moment. But those those red rings we saw earlier in this uh, uh, in this run of uh, Red Lanterns, maybe those are still out there searching. I don't know. Um, but moving on. Uh, so uh, uh, Skalix is, you know putting together a gun and Zilius is like, I don't know why you're doing that. And Wolves and, uh, Scalix was like, well, you fixed a ship, you know, I'm just doing something I like doing. And then, uh, guys like attention, everybody. Hey, please don't you have something to say? Uh, I didn't think so. Uh, and then, uh, guy just goes ahead and lets the bill, the beans spill and says, Hey, I was, I was, uh, sent here to be a spy. Uh, but I'm not anymore. And uh, they don't give a crap about me. And then Hal shows up and says, don't worry, guy, we're here for you with the entire Green Lantern Corps and uh, Carol behind him. Then we cut out to deep space where uh, Atrocitus is reveling in the power he has, uh, being the embodiment of the Butcher now. Uh, and Dexstar thinks it's glorious. Um, and then Atrocitus comes up with a new name for himself, the Atrocity Butcher, which in and of itself is an atrocity. Um <laughs> And then uh, uh, Atrocitus acknowledges the fact that the butcher is not sitting quietly. Um, he wants the other. He wants to be with the other entities. Um, but Atrocitus is like he knows his place. And then he talks to Dexstar and says, he's, um, "When I go get revenge on Guy, uh, select a piece to play with. What do you want?" And Dexstar thinks for a second because cats think, um, and then says, "Eyes." Um, and uh, he takes a moment out to pet the kitty for saying, good choice. Um, and then all of a sudden, the uh, entity starts bursting out of Atrocitus. And uh, they're like, don't let it escape. And, you know, you can see in the background, Kyle's heading toward him. Cut back to you, Smalt. The Red Lanterns are like, kill them all. So the entire Green Lantern Corps is going up with, against the remaining Red Lanterns. Hal tries to go talk to Guy. Um, uh, on his way, Scalix gets gets in the way. Guy flies up and is like out of the way. Scalix and uh, Hal thinks Guy is saving him. All of a sudden, uh, Guy sucker punches the hell out of uh, Hal and he goes rocketing to the ground. And then uh, spawning a very uh, apropos saying, "Sucker punched by Guy Gardner, must be a Tuesday." Um, <laughs> and then 
Guy and uh, Hal have a conversation. You know, you know, whatever you think of me, just respect where we're at um, as friends. Just let me hear me out for a second. He kind of gives Guy a recap about what's been going on with Relic and everything. And uh, then he lets him know, uh, you know, I need you. Here, here's what's going to, you know, I don't think he understands. Um, so rather than help Guy for, uh, for rather than help Hal for, for his own sake, because Hal offers to get uh, Guy out of the Red Lantern Corps because Kyle's a White Lantern and can probably do that. Guy says he wants something else. Go back to deep space. Uh, Atrocitus is screaming and asking why. Uh, the butcher's leaving him. Uh, Rage Kitty is like chaining him up and saying, Master needs you. And then he says, Bad Cow. Because I guess he does that. Um, Kyle reaches out to the butcher and says, You know, it's time you joined us in here, all the, uh, the entities. Uh, Atrocitus reached out to Dexter and, you know, he's like, come back. I, I won't be able to survive. Dexter can't figure out, you know, do I, do I keep hold of, uh, the butcher? Do I go back to Atrocitus? So he chooses to save Atrocitus as the butcher goes into Kyle. I think he uses his ring to keep Atrocitus's heart beating and or put a construct heart in him. One of the two. Either way, same effect is Atrocitus lives. And then again, we get naked Atrocitus cuddling a cat in space. Um, and then uh, Kyle's like, sorry, Atrocitus, uh, but the entire universe is uh, going to die if I don't do this. Atrocitus is like, I don't care. You're on the list now, bitch. And then uh, Kyle's like, you know what? Screw you. And then uh, that's it for that. Go to the edge of the known universe at the source wall. Uh, Relic's trying to break through the source wall. Uh, attempts keep failing. Kyle and the new Guardians show up, and it's a relic's like I'm not I'm not gonna stop. Uh, you, you're gonna try and stop me again, killing the universe in the process. I could. I have the power. And then Kyle's like, We're not here to stop you. We're here to help you. The source wall must fall. Um, nice rhyme. And then um, so. Guy is telling the cut back to you small guys telling the Red Lanterns I made a deal with Hal. What do you think of the terms? And they all vote. They agree. Then uh, okay, Hal, we're in. And then we get the reveal that after all this is done, uh, you know, the Reds help the Greens. The Reds then get their own sector all to themselves. They're the law. No Green Lanterns allowed. And then. Uh, the story concludes in Green Lantern Annual Number Two on sale next week. Except, oh wait, Mark's going to review it now. <laughs> we could wait till next week. <laughs> no, build. Let, let the tension build. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Green Lantern Annual Numero Dos lights out Part Five. The cover declares Relic's triumph. And the source is the actual title of the episode, or the issue, I should say. Part 5 is the source. Robert Venditti. Writer, Sean Chen, penciler. John Sabal, and with Walden Wong as your inkers. So first we begin in deep space. Kind of a little rehash again about Relic. 
how beautiful the universe was, fueled by the power of the emotional spectrum, but it was destroyed by those who harnessed it and used it as weapons of light, and how Relic is obsessed with making sure this does not happen again. We pick up on Yuzmalt. Guys kind of go on, yeah, let's go get him. You got me all pumped in my Red Lantern's pump. Let's go take care of business. What are we waiting for? And then, then Hal kind of goes, well, this stuff I still have to tell you that I, I kind of didn't tell you. That, you know, which even though we kind of saw scenes of some of this in the last issue, so some of those things don't really jibe perfectly about uh, he's telling Guy that, oh, I was destroyed, though we kind of did see that, like I said, last issue. Uh, and he kind of mentioned about John, that, you know, John didn't make it. John took a handful of recruits to try to buy his time. Then Guy's really, really, really mad now, which is kind of funny because as they do the little Green Lanterns and Will, and they had the Star Sapphire Love, in between they had the Red Lantern symbol and Red Lantern, and it says Rage, big time Rage. And well, uh, Guy's all ready to go, and Hal says, well, that's kind of a problem. We don't know where Kyle is, and and Carol goes, I I might know – I actually do know where Kyle is. And then Hal's like, how do you know where he is? Did he tell you where he is? And she goes, no, I just kind of sort of feel it. And that kind of sets off the alarms for Hal. It's like, what do you mean you sort of feel it? You're a sapphire. You're able to sense where people are and connect with them because of love. It's like – that's how you can feel where Kyle is, and and you have Kilowog standing there going, awkward. And Hal starts yelling at Carol, so this is why you wanted to break up with me, because you really wanted to be with Kyle. And Carol says, can we talk about this later when basically all the lanterns, you know, all the, all the, all the lanterns in the universe and their lives don't hang in the balance? And Hal goes, okay, that's a valid point. So then Carol uses her powers her star sapphire power to connect an emotional tether with Kyle. And she kind of gives a warning that, you know, I have no idea what's waiting for us on the other side. We cut back to the source wall. Now where relic is, he is sending his probes back once again to check the source wall to try to, to break it down, connect to it, to use his spectrum energies. And of course, every probe that he uses merges with the wall. Once again, he comes up with the brain assessment. I need more light. So the Guardians keep trying to re- impress upon him that, you know, we've been around for a long time and this wall is, you know, no matter, it's, it encircles the entire, excuse me, it encircles the entire universe. It's impassable. And that's, and Relic comes to the conclusion that this is where, you know, this is where the source has to be, meaning the reservoir, the source of the emotional spectrum. Of course, he never has any proof of this, but that's, but he's, but that his his latest theory anyway that that's the that's where the the source has to be for the emotional spectrum. You know, if we were if we were to the return all the the light that I've captured, it's got to be there. We have to reach it first, so that means we have to break through the source wall. Kyle mentions that the entities inside him agree. They aren't sure what to do or what happens next, but they agree that the reservoir has to be refilled. And Kyle kind of says, "What? Well, you know, well, he does. He's, he laments, like, why it took the entities and, a, and a, a guy from a dead universe to make me realize that our energy was finite. I have, I have no idea. And he has, 
He goes, I am human after all. And he kind of turns to Palco, one of the new guardians, and goes, what's your excuse? And I don't want to hear about that you've been locked up for a billion years. How come you don't know anything about you know the reservoir, that the, that the spectrum is limited? And he, and he throws out a valid point, which is that history, no matter who writes the history, it's always written with those with an agenda that it's, that it's almost never, if ever, objective. So that's why the Book of Oa wouldn't tell a story like that, even if they knew about it. Then Kyle has a brief moment of what of kind of questioning all this. What if the entities are wrong? What if the reservoir isn't there at all? Maybe it's somewhere else. And that gets Relic to go off. Relic sends hits a button, sends out tendrils that capture Kyle, and they begin to drain Kyle of his energy. He basically says, "Well, you said you wanted to help me, so this is how you're going to help me. I'm going to drain the white energy out of you." As he begins to drain. The entities keep talking to Kyle as they begin to start getting pulled out of Kyle. That you have to fight, you have to keep us in you. Uh, with, with you know, without you, there'll be no life. Find strength, strength and rage. Feel the avarice. Fail and all hope is lost. Relic is completely captivated or impressed by the light beasts, since seemingly the entities did not exist in his universe, or he never encountered them. If they did. The Guardians are yelling at him, don't harm them, to tamper with the entities, it's to tamper with reality itself. And he goes, I'm not going to tamper, I'm going to experiment. So he begins to extract the entities, Kyle starts fading out. At that point, the Collector, or the Collectors that are trying to drain the entities out of Kyle are destroyed with some green, green spheres. Looks like spears, basically. They're impaled anyway with green energy. We get a nice little splash page of, of Hal leading the Green Lantern Corps, the Red Lantern Corps, and then Carol there, too, to deal with Relic, once again called Gulliver by Hal. Uh, the automated defenses by Relic, his little machines come out to deal with the, the lanterns attacking them. We cut back to Nock, where John is talking to the Indigo tribe. And he basically is trying to convince them to help them. And the Indigo tribe and the Tromo agree that the Indigo tribe is going to help help in the battle. And he asks Natromo that he he needs your help. And he asks him, are you ready to build? We cut back to space at the source wall with a relic. You know, relic once again is getting upset about how they're squandering the light. Kyle is still, even though the entities, the collection of the entities was disrupted, Kyle is still kind of trapped in the tendrils. And Hal makes a little comment like, hey, watch my, to Carol, watch my back while I cut your man free. And Hal, and Carol's like, just let it go, Hal. So a lot of Hal's little anger towards Kyle and what's going on with Carol comes out in their, in their conversation. And Kyle tries to convince Hal something is happening. You know, something's happening to the entities, to the spectrum. You just won't see it. And, and Hal is being his typical self, certainly in this story arc, uh, that doesn't really want to hear it. Guy confronts Relic, and he, sh- and he shoots spectrum energy at Relic. And because Guy is yet to figure out, he doesn't know, that Relic can redirect the energy back at him. Before he can get blasted, John comes and saves him, and 
guy is completely happy that John's still alive because he's because Hal already told him he was dead. He goes, man, am I glad to see. And before he finishes that sentence, guy punches him in the face and accuse, basically essentially accusing guy of being a traitor of why do you switch cores? But at this point, guy's just more happy that John's alive to deal with anything else. Um, guy tells his Red Lanterns to attack Relic's relic ship to tear it apart but just not to use light so they use their they use their vomit they use their strength they destroy they destroy relic ship and they push it a lot and the green lanterns are kind of helping too but mostly it's the guys and the reds are getting the main part of it done and at the end of the day the relic ship ends up being pushed into the source wall and merges with it and relic is all upset since all the light he preserved is gone now and that's when Hal realizes, well, the wall traps everything, and that's how we got to get rid of Relic. We have to push him into the source wall. Their power rings are pretty much – they're all but drained. Kyle has the greatest level of, of the four of the Earth's green lantern – of the Earth's lanterns left. And Hal at Indigo 1 is at this point. The Indigo tribe is there too. And <coughs> – excuse me. And Hal asks Indigo 1 whether you can teleport us between Relic and the reflectors and keep us there. And she says yes, knock, of course, but she means yes. And John, Guy, Kyle, and Hal attack, are teleported in between the collectors so they can avoid getting blasted until they get close to Relic. They attack Relic, you know, literally they go head to head with Relic. They try to keep, they try to drive him in into the source wall. They have him reeling towards the source wall and Hal orders everyone to bail out. Let's go. Guy doesn't want to go, but Hal pulls him off, and Guy's kind of being Guy. You don't, you don't can't tell me what to do anymore. You're not the boss of me. And basically, in one little Green Lantern sphere, a protective bubble, John, Hal, and Guy are there. Meanwhile, Relic is being pulled by Kyle, whose power level at this point now begins to rise because Kyle begins to realize that the, the more he embraces life and the more he fights for it, the stronger he gets. He mentions, he mentions to relic that you want, you want to know the, the mystery of the source wall. You're dying to understand it and learn all about it. Well, we're going to, we're going to get real up close and personal with it. So Kyle keeps dragging relic towards the source wall. He makes the, makes it crystal clear that you're not the key to this relic. I am. And when Kyle reaches 100% of his power level, he and Relic go into the source wall. Actually, there's one thing I wanted to mention also, is that at, before that happens, when the source wall starts, before they get into the source wall, black energy looks like tendrils or, or, or just a plume of black energy comes is starting to ooze out of the source wall because Relic goes, look what I'm telling you, the universe is about to die. That happens. That's happening as Kyle pushes Relic into the source wall. They go into the source wall. The source wall reseals. The, whatever the black energy was, it stops. There's a sudden big, big swoosh sound. And then Relic starts coming out of the source wall. And he goes, I found it. I found it at last. You know, my theory is true. The reservoir has been replenished. The white light smith was the solution. And he kind of gives a warning or a, a seemingly helpful warning to the lanterns that respect this opportunity you've been given. 
and his work, my work is finished. And then Relic merges with the Source Wall. And that's the end of Relic for the foreseeable future. Kyle, John, and Hal, they're almost out of energy. And they're all lamenting the death of, seemingly the death of Kyle. Uh, Carol has almost out of energy too, but Hal doesn't want her to stay there because he thinks they're all going to die and he doesn't want Carol to see this. Meanwhile, the Indigo tribe... The Indigo tribe uses their power to teleport the Green Lanterns back to Mogo. He, they transport the Red Lanterns to Yzmalt. And Hal doesn't know where they are at first, but that's when he realizes that they're on Mogo and that Mogo is now going to be the new home planet of the Green Lantern Corps. And the new central power battery has been built. Natromo has built a new central power battery using the pieces of the old and the, the the amongst the debris from the old battery was some green energy dust which supposedly was enough to spark the rekindling of the green light and how you know how kind of after getting his feet back on the ground and processing everything he kind of leads the lanterns into start doing, start to do the the oath, and you know our light will shine in every corner of the universe. And as he's doing that, he realizes that not every lantern is is reading the oath. You have Hanu, you got Graf, and I think you got Tomar among others who basically don't want to recite the oath anymore because they they have to admit that Relic was right, that you know the emotional spectrum. Every time we use it, we're basically killing the universe slowly but surely and we know we have a new clock but the clock is already winding down and every time we use it we're going to speed it along and he makes the point of saying to Hal uh, Graf does Kyle may have replenished the reservoir this time but he's gone and who knows if there'll ever be another white lantern we switch back to the source wall the Templar guardians are, exa- are examining uh, Relic the mer- as he's what's, what is Relic now that he's merged to the source wall then all of a sudden we have another fwash sound, and from the source wall flies out Kyle, who's still alive and not merged with the – he survives to contact with the source wall to be functional. And the first reaction is, what happened? Tell us what happened. And Kyle mentions that the entities sacrificed themselves. They said it was the only way to refill the reservoir. They're dead. And then he, I think it was, I think it's Palco, and he and he asks him, "What else? What you know? Tell us everything you witnessed on the other side of the source wall." And Kyle goes, "I can't remember. You cannot, or you do not." And then they go to read, he, he go to read his mind, basically, and whatever he senses in Kyle's mind, the guardian is sent flying out of it. And they ask him, "What did you, what did you see?" And he goes, "No one can know. The universe has been granted a new beginning." And above all, Lantern Rainer's return must remain a secret. It is time his journey truly began. And that is the end of Lights Out. Whew. So, it's probably no secret by now that a lot of people did not like this storyline. Where did you fall on that spectrum? Well, this is... Maybe let me take this approach. This is what I did like about it. I liked I liked that it was a 
on the surface, it was an event, but it was a relatively short, contained event. It wasn't something that, even though there are still some parts of these issues, you can make the case that, that there's a lot of that there are some parts of these issues where there's dialogue and repetitiveness that probably maybe we didn't need. But it didn't get to the point of like Wrath of the First Lantern, where maybe the first few issues were pretty good, and then basically it was just like nothing and nothing and nothing until you got to Sinestro and Korrigor leading up to the grand finale. That you didn't have all these parts where either the same thing was happening or basically nothing was happening or it barely was tied into the main storyline. So I liked the fact that it was relatively self-contained. It was pretty short. There are some aspects of this, even visually, I thought, like with some of the covers, especially of the annual, which kind of reminded me a little of Blackest Night and Sinestro Core War. It was an interest. I liked the fact, and I think Dan mentioned this when we talked about it ever so briefly, I think I think might have been the, the anniversary episode, that I liked the fact that I – do. I also liked the fact that they were willing to do something different, kind of roll the dice and throw kind of a, a few curveballs in the storyline that – that probably months and months before this thing ever began, you wouldn't have suspected this is where they're going, this is what they're going to do. So those are the things that I did like about it. I don't like the, the emotional spectrum being finite. I think that's not. I think that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure we'll get an explanation for why it's really not finite, or it's not where. And we'll t- maybe we'll talk about this more as we go through the whole storyline, and you know, or break it apart a little bit more. But I think we'll get an explanation for why Relic was kind of right as far as that there is a reservoir, but it's not what he – it's not – the reason why it was being emptied is not why he thought, that there was a different reason why it was being drained basically faster than it can be replenished. <clears throat> I think that's what we're going to find out. That I think that's the out to this whole storyline is that something else was draining it. Mm. Someone, something else was draining the emotional spectrum. It did it in his universe. It was doing it in our universe. But it's not because the the emotional spectrum itself is truly limited. Um, once again, the characterization of Hal, I kind of it's kind of getting old seeing Hal just be this. Yes, we know he's he's impulsive. We know you know he's a fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy. But once you know, but it gets kind of old where he keeps doing the wrong thing over and over and over again. They throw him a few bones in this storyline that. He, a few, of, few of the ideas that he kind of had seemingly were, were clever, but most of, most of what he was doing turned out to either be wrong or not. And the, like you mentioned, the idea about, or not the idea, you mentioned the fact when they had John talking about making fun of Hal's comment about, oh, any any crash you can walk away from. And it's like, oh yeah, you say that a lot. But there's also a line like a couple of panels later about they must not teach you like military strategy or military tactics, you know, in in pilot school or whatever. So it's like. They just keep, I mean, they're kind of like beating the horse a little bit too much here, about, I think, about how Hal is just, you know, just such a horrible, horrible leader or his approach. And like we've talked about before, if there's an end in this where Hal is going to end up being the leader and it's going to make Hal a better leader, then that's okay. If this is just to reiterate, well, this guy sucks as a leader and we, and this and now you've seen for a year why, why he, he shouldn't be leader of the Corps and he's done, then I think that's kind of a waste. Mm. But the, but um, there are lots of things in the issues that I I liked and I think we should touch on. But I don't want to just keep rambling. So what what did what were what were your thoughts 
on Lights Out as a whole. Um, I, I echo a lot of your sentiments. I have a lot of the same points. Um, but you know, just for the sake of getting my opinion out there, I guess we'll, I, I, you know, maybe recap a little bit myself. Um, I, like like you said, I like I like the idea of them introducing something new. I like the idea. Uh, I like the idea of a reservoir. I like the idea that it's energy and energy all, all energy runs out. I like the idea of the source wall. I like the idea of maybe having lanterns, you know, learn how to be more physical and be more, you know, rely less on their rings and more on themselves and, you know, that kind of a thing. I like the the potential that can throw in there. But at the same time, my understanding of the emotional spectrum was that the energy is gathered and you know for for lack of a better way to put it basically the way it was put in the movie the for if you want to just boil it down to just willpower the central power battery collects the willpower of every sentient being throughout the universe you know the beings feel willpower that the the collection of the energy of that many beings throughout the entire cosmos feeling that one set you know you can argue whether or not willpower is an emotion for all you want. What doesn't matter? That many beings throughout the entire universe feeling will amounts to the actual coalescence of energy. So theoretically speaking, as long as there's life, there should be power for these lanterns. It shouldn't be based on okay, you know, you once you drain the emotional spectrum then, you know, the whole thing collapses and dies. Um, I think also the fact that um, Relic did not know that there was a white power, a, a white light, you know, never saw a white lan- lightsmith slash lantern. Um, the entities were new to him, all of that stuff. I think that kind of lends to your theory, um, and I agree with you that Relic was kind of half right. You know, things are different here. Um, you know, maybe maybe in his universe, since there was no White Lantern, maybe the White Lantern was, or the White Entity was behind his source wall, or something like that. You know, maybe maybe the fact maybe the fact that or or didn't exist, or maybe our White Entity was his White Entity, his universe's White Entity. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe maybe the fact that he didn't know what the entities were. I mean, I don't know. There's there's a billion different things to to to, to throw in there. And the fact that the emotional spectrum and reservoir can be drained kind of bothers me because what about what we've been leading up to since John's first got on the book and like with 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 rebirth lanterns being able to light their own rings like power it based off their own emotion you remember like uh, when uh, Hal and uh, Sinestro were on knock and Sinestro's ring was completely dead but when he went up against those uh, those uh, depowered indigos on that bridge, his ring sparked up, even though it was completely dead. He lit it himself. How did the Sinestro Corps members get inducted? They're put into these, well, pre-New 52, they're put into these little pods. And to become a Sinestro Corps member, they have to light their ring with their own fear. I mean, there's there's a whole establishment that's been established for the past years and years and years of lantern history and supposedly after the new 52 nothing was really changed when it comes to green lantern and batman 
Until until they tell us it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, we forgot to tell you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it was self-contained. One of the problems I'm having, and I'm not about to go on to another rant, people, so calm down. Um, yes, the fact that it was self-contained into, like, you know, in other words, the fact that it was only issue 24s and an annual. It was a nice, small, contained little event. I kind of, you know, kind of in the same vein, that, you know, I want to see Hal interact with his family on Earth, and I want to see Kyle do this and that and the other. I kind of want, I kind of wish these books would stop doing the, and I've said it before, but the couple of issue break in between these big crossover events, you know, and it's not just Green Lantern. I'm talking like Superman and Batman and stuff where, you know, every third or fourth month, a family of titles will have a crossover. You know, the, the the Bat books will be all split up for a little while, you know, two, three issues, and then we're right into hinting at the next event for the Bat family. You know, for instance, the death of the family, um, the Hell on Earth thing for Superman, you know, Wrath of the First Lantern or whatever for, um, for the Green Lantern titles, all of this stuff. The idea of having separate titles is the is to have these the various spectrum of these this family of characters but different stories told for them that's why you have separate issues if everything's going to be connected why not just publish a weekly lantern title rather than a than a uh, than four individual titles published once a month so you've got Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, New Guardians, and Red Lanterns. Forget forget Larflees, forget Threshold that ended, forget the Sinestro book that's coming up. The four main Lantern titles. They're four weeks in a month. Supposedly, these four Lantern titles are supposed to be released one each week. Why not just condense them into one Lantern title and release it weekly? If they're all going to be tied together like this all the time. You know, if you have separate issues and separate series... At some point, you should have separate storylines and separate directions for these titles. And maybe once a year, or once every two years, they team up for one big event. Or only two of the issues cross over. I'm rambling again. You guys have heard this before. I'll stop there. You get my point. That Lights Out kind of bothered me in that way, in that it was just another example. So that, that kind of bothered me. I like the art, and I like the colors in particular. Um... Especially when you get the entities involved and, you know, Kyle using various powers and stuff. Um, like, for instance, the New Guardians issue, I thought, like, the colors were spectacular. And it was just so cool looking to me. Um, one of the things I didn't like about Lights Out was the source wall. While I like the idea of the source wall being a reservoir, while I like the idea of someone playing with the source wall and tying it into creation and all this stuff, in the back of my... In the front of my mind, I've always thought, oh man, one, maybe one day we'll figure out the secret behind the source wall. But truthfully and honestly, in the back of my mind, I was like, if there are a, like things I can count on one hand that the DC Universe should always have a mystery of, the source wall is one of them. The source wall is always, always, always a mystery. You can have stories of people trying to fuck with it and try and figure stuff out, and maybe we get snippets here and there. But by and large, the source wall should always be a mystery. That's just personal preference. That has nothing to do with, you know, how dare they try and, you know, try and explain it. You know, I, I get, I get the, the, the impulse to try and explain it. But personally, the source wall should, by and large, always be a mystery. Um, 
And the last thing I wanted to comment on was what you commented on last. I do agree. Like, um, when we did the, uh, the the Jeff Johns final issue, issue 20, uh, the end of the Wrath of the First Lantern thing, I remember Dan made a comment about how it took that long for him to finally like Hal as a character. Johns finally drove it home that Hal is more than just this two-dimensional character. And it, it took Dan longer than any of us. But we all came away, Hal is awesome. And no offense to Venditti or anybody else, but I'm not saying, like you said, like he's, he's in charge of the core, he's in a different position. Maybe this is the vehicle to have him learn a lesson type of a thing. And that if, if, if that's the case, awesome. But regardless of whether this is the new 52 or not, we've had 20 issues before this new creative team to establish who Hal is. Don't screw it up. Don't change it up. Don't go back to the two-dimensional storytelling. You know, Hal goes in half-cocked all the time. Something that drove me crazy about this storyline was him going in half-cocked all the time, not because we're back to two-dimensional Hal, but let's look at the new 52 as a whole. Hal has supposedly been a Green Lantern for at least five years. He's a founding member of the Justice League. He's been in the Air Force. Um, regardless of how it happened, he's been Parallax. Blackest Night happened. Brightest Day happened. So maybe he became briefly host of the White Entity. There's a lot of stuff in Lantern history that still supposedly happened. The details are sketchy, but if all of the stuff that's major stuff that's happened to Hal has happened, destruction of Coast City, all of this stuff, five years experience, you know, founder of the Justice League, blah, 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 blah. When Hal gets put in a position like I'm in charge of the entire Green Lantern Corps and that many lives are on his hands, I shouldn't see him run off half-cocked more than once. You know what I mean? This. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I absolutely Yeah, agree. this Hal should know better. I mean, maybe he maybe he gets super crazy emotional at one point, and he starts to you know go back into his you know just kick ass before you think mode. But Hal Hal is in charge of the entire Green Lantern Corps. Lives are in his hands, and he knows it. You've established in this series that he knows it. Like when that when those uh, rookie lanterns showed up, and that one died, and nobody knew his name, and he took that hard. I like that because he should take it hard. Hal would take that hard because he's in charge now, and he, that that means that life is on his hands, in his mind. And maybe he's right, but that's my whole point. There is like this this storyline, and we start off with in in part one. Hal knows it could mean, if not the end of the universe, the death of a whole shit ton of lanterns. He knows that. It's not like he comes to understand that later on. He knows it from the get-go. But he still runs off half-cocked even after Oa is exploded. He shouldn't be doing that. And even before Oa is... I mean, even before Oa is even attacked, let alone when we reach when it reaches critical mass, it's the whole point of the way he's... The way they have Hal be so dismissive of everything that Kyle and the Guardians are telling mm -hmm. him. 
you would think at a simple respect for at least for Kyle and it's not like Carol's not there either and the fact that even though they really don't show him other than the fact that in that brief moment of teleportation the fact that St. Walker is you know is all screwed up to be, too and you just and you, you're being told the entire Blue Lantern Corps has been wiped out that he's still still you know making that, those comments about you know one, one old ge- relic you know he sounds old how you know one old geezer took care of all you guys and it's like it's like come on that's 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 almost on a way that's almost like that's almost guy like more than Hal like yeah, that takes Hal a step back like how how are you supposed to identify and like this character who's in this particular title in in, in Green Lantern twenty four is the main character of your book how are you gonna make him a douchebag and completely unlike like and look who forget forget when Kyle and the and Carol and the New Guardians show up. Before they even show up, he's got Kilowog, John, and Salak right next to him. I mean, that's a big chunk of the people Hal trusts most. But he's he he keeps subverting. He he keeps not listening to them. Yes, he does. And and even like the first the first other than the um the first full page of the issue, once you get past the opening splash page on Oa um, or almost full splash page they have uh, just the way it seems like a throwaway thing in a way but the way John makes the comment that it was Kilowog who ordered all the grounding of the Green Lanterns wasn't Hal it was Kilowog who basically who was proactive enough to make that decision so I mean they could explain it away but just the way it's like Ion what does the Green Entity have to do with any I mean he just I don't know yeah. he just you know, it's like he flew off with the ent- the other entities. Okay, John, that sounds bad. But with how would that affect our? It's just I don't know. I mean, it's it makes it really interesting because it, it's see- you could make a strong case just by the way it's being written that they're that they're kind of just setting this. Even they may very well they may not go this way because it's it's what people might expect. But if you're looking at the from an analytical point of view and you're looking how each character has been written since the new creative teams have taken over you could make a strong case that all, that all they're basically doing is setting the stage for john to, to, to take over the leadership of the core because the fact that he's the one who keeps coming across like he's competent he's approaching it the right way he knows what he's doing and how keeps doing everything the wrong way um and, i don't know i think he might be corpse trainer i don't know or core trainer i don't know if he would be leader but i i wouldn't be surprised if they did make him that I mean, certainly just from a contrasting point of contrasting, not just their styles, but but the way that but the the results and what they're doing so far. John, John has definitely been coming across more as a better leader or a better character, actually, than Hal, mm-hmm. I think, since the new teams, have, which is one of the reasons, you know, if you're a big John Stewart fan, that's probably why Core might be your favorite book, because it's about him, and, he, and, and he's taken charge, and he's seemingly doing almost everything right. Meanwhile, if you're a Hal fan and you're reading the, the main title, the flagship title, you're not getting the same treatment for Hal so far. No. And maybe there is a goal, and I hope there is a goal other than just, like we've talked about before, other than just, well, you knew Hal was never cut out to be a leader, and now you've, if you needed more reinforcement, we just gave you like five story arcs to show you. That's just... Yeah, that that's that's not good. I mean, Hal is not coming across as, as very very likable as somebody who you have a lot of faith in. Um, and it's not just Vendetti's title. So I mean, I mean and guys, um, quick 
brief tangent here. When we post this stuff on Twitter, we let the the writers know that these these uh, these reviews are live, so you, they can listen if they want. So if any of you, if any of the creative teams on these titles are listening, none of this is meant as like any sort of you guys suck. It's it's because it's not just Venditti's title that Hal comes across like this. It's all it's 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 consistent throughout all of the issues that Hal is half cocked and, and crazy and, and putting people's life lives in danger. And again, if if this is the vehicle so that the new creative team can establish that Hal has learned his lesson and you know it is not going to fly off all half cocked, okay, fine. It only took it was five issues, and now we don't have to see Hal be stupid like this again. Does it? Does that make up for the fact that it still doesn't in this particular storyline doesn't make a lot of sense? Not really. But at the same time, if the the creative team is trying to establish that mentality in their own way, fine. You know, I can see that. So it's and it's not to say that the story's bad. The story isn't bad. I mean, it's, like I said, the art is phenomenal. I kind of, even though we're, we're taking broad strokes here because we went through all of everything before doing individual commentary, but I think, I think by and large, what we're saying about these issues, uh, even if we were to comment on each of these issues individually, what we're saying now about the entire story would hold true. We might mention it again and again, like. Hey, remember when we said about you know how being half cocked in issue one? Well, here in issue, in part two, he's doing it again right here. You see it, you know. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm rambling. No, you're not. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to go back in off the top of my head as I flipped through books. All sort of the things that I want wanted to mention. I thought it was interesting. Well, it was more than interesting. It was to me, it was weird that Relic would think, even though yes, we under, there might be an explanation for this. But let me go with my point first, and I'll deal with what could be an explanation. It kind of struck me as odd that he's trying to replenish. He's trying to replenish the emotional spectrum. He's trying to replenish the entire reservoir for the emotional spectrum. So why would he think that just by draining the the blue and the green? and not even touching any of the other power batteries, that that was going to be enough energy to do what he wanted to begin with, let alone penetrate the source wall, which he's never been able to do before anyway. Why would he think that would be enough? Especially with the fact that the emotional spectrum was already in decline, and, and which, he, you know, which he also reiterated on whether he was accurate or not, just made the point of, look how quickly I drain you know, the, your green power battery. That wouldn't have happened if the spectrum was, wasn't already, you know, the, the reservoir wasn't almost drained. Why would he think just by returning that little bit of energy would all of us would make everything all right again? Well, I guess and I was going to say that the only explanation possibly could be we know blue onto itself is the, is the most powerful energy, and we also know that blue the way it amplifies green. Oh, exactly. So that would be the on, that would be the that would be the only possible to me explanation that you put those a huge amount of blue energy and a huge amount of green energy, or at least a decent amount of green energy together. That that would be enough interacting to you know to, to get the job done. Yeah, that's what I was gonna it say. still seemed odd. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It still it still seemed odd that he wouldn't want to just drain the take, if, especially when he knows there are other lanterns out there. Why he wouldn't go and try to take, you know, do what he could to take, you know, to drain some of the other batteries. Mm. That would, 
I mean, that that struck me that struck me right away. Just like, and again, this could be part of the, part of the the way they're gonna explain this away down the road is that the entities are supposedly dead and they died to replenish the spectrum, but yet we know there's still one entity that of the emotional spectrum that never died mm. and wasn't and wasn't with mm. them. That that might, onto itself might be an out for how to bring them all back as long as one of them's alive. And then, and that's another thing too, since I kind of segued into it. There was a little accident actually, but it works perfectly. Are we really supposed to believe that? First of all, I, that little throwaway line about how how and they didn't name him, but we know who they meant. That Sinestro has had the most indomitable will in the universe, and he was so powerful that he was so powerful that he could lock parallax away in a place that they couldn't even find, let alone you know penetrate if they could find. I mean, I thought that was I thought that was bullshit. I thought that was kind of, I mean, that was that was really, it was, in a way, it was like a throw. It it may not be a throwaway line because obviously they knew, that, you know, at this point, you know, the Sinestro Core book was or the Sinestro book was already, you know, pretty much a done deal. I think long before this story arc was written, but at this, it's kind of like not entirely a throwaway line, but it's just kind of to make you realize that this is why Parallax isn't going to be joining the group. But just the idea that he could, that they could, that they could hide, the Sinestro could hide Parallax. That not only were the entities themselves couldn't find him, but yet even if they could, it's being implied that they couldn't get it anyway because of how strong Sinestro's will is, and like we couldn't reach, we couldn't reach him even if we knew where he was. That just seemed like a kind of a, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the way, okay, the way it's put in the comic, I agree. But I wonder if what they were kind of maybe going for is Sinestro has such a command of his willpower and is so intimately familiar with fear and parallax that he has enough of a control on him that it might be hard to get a read on where parallax is at. And even if they could read, uh, let's say say, uh, all the entities were within a host of every host they could possibly be in. In their respective cores, Ophidian and Larflees, uh, Predator and Carol, Ion and Kyle, or or Hal, or something, Parallax and Sinestro, you know, Butcher and Atrocis, all, all of, you know, name them off. Of all of those pairings, I think it would be most difficult out of all of them to rip Parallax out of Sinestro because of his command of him. I'm wondering if they just thought. Even if we could find him, the the time and effort and energy it would take to fight Sinestro and get Parallax out of him would be not not worth it, and we need to do this now, type of a thing. I think you t- part of what you're saying I agree with certainly that I think that, but that they but they didn't write it that and, way. Yeah. If they had written to say that you know, we if they kind of implied they could get him. But yet, but exactly what you said that there isn't, that we don't have the time and we can't waste the energy to do it. That would be a little more, you know, palatable. I think. Yeah, I, I think. But they didn't say that. They made it sound like they couldn't. And, and mind you, they're also the way I certainly read it. They're also implying at this point that Parallax isn't in him anymore. That he, the Sinestro has just hit him away. Hmm. That's that. I mean, I did not read that that he was because they, he was trapped. They said he he was put. So I mean, they, maybe maybe that is what they were implying, even though that's not the way I read it. I didn't, I never read that line about about him being. Let me go back to the, the, 
because it says he is trapped. Uh, he has taken him, and even we cannot sense he is lost to us. So I don't. And if you look at the picture too, I don't necessarily think that's supposed to be that he's inside Sinestro. He's just. I think Sinestro has just hit him somewhere that no one can get to, because obviously. In theory, if he was just inside Sinestro, you would think they'd be able to find Sinestro mm. somewhere. I mean, Sinestro shouldn't be strong enough to hide his presence from the entire emo- emotional spectrum. But if they, yes, if they had just implied that yes, we know where we we kind of know where he is, it wouldn't be easy to get to him. But and we could, but we don't have the time. Or even make a simple acknowledgement that well, we under different circumstances and a different host, we might be able to get him. But because it's Kyle. And because of Kyle and, and, and his relationship with Sinestro, that, that ain't going to work. That's definitely more, much more energy than we and much more of an effort than we need. We want to put in. So that, could, but that that's something that when I first read it, it, it just kind of it just kind of bothered me. I think, I think it's definitely done for a reason, and that, and not just necessarily for the Sinestro book. I think, I, even though it could just be for that, I think it's, I think it's part of the out related to the emotion relation to the entities and I think with in I think in an interview with Van Jensen I think it was kind of in, kind of implied I think it was a Van Jensen interview that or I don't think yeah I don't think it was the Justin Jordan one something that was implied that you're gonna that you something related to the entities that in the not too distant future we're gonna find out what actually happened to them which isn't surprising because if just with the and it's not by the time this comes out, it won't be won't be spoilers anyway, because because previews and everything will be long gone, out and gone already by the time this this hits. The fact that the the new Guardians annual that's going to be coming out is going to start in a few months, I think in April, or start dealing with the fallout of what actually happened to Kyle when he was on the other side of the Source mm-hmm. Wall, which supposedly is, will lay the groundwork for whatever the next Lantern event's going to be. It's going to be related to that. So I think that's when we're going to start getting the pieces put to put into place about what really happened to the entities and or what was on the other side of the source wall, what they did, everything else. So, um, it's kind of, yes, I know Like we talked about, (laughs) but see this, see, this is one, something I was thinking about the other day. And since we're we're only like, we're not like three hours into this episode, I can ramble for a minute at least. Um, it's kind of an interesting where we are is kind of interesting because a lot of the criticism I think for the books has been like you talked about and like we've talked about before, and I agree and I've agreed with this for the for the most part too, that basically we have one event or pre-event, and then we have maybe an arc or two, and then we get back into the same cycle again. And people are saying, oh, we don't want events all the time. I mean, let let them, you know, at least give us like two years between events, which is kind of what it used to be. At least when Johns first started doing it, it did used to be like two years. I mean, we, from Rebirth to Sinestro Core War to Blackest Night, it seemed like it was kind of like a nice, kind of like a, a build-up, you know? It was like a two-year build-up between the end of one and when you fully got into another one. Then it kind of picked up the pace that it seemed like once a year you were getting a quote, a pseudo-event. It wasn't really an event. It kind of being downplayed and not called an event, I think, because the expectations began to be too high. It's kind of like um, you're a product of, you know, a victim of your own success that... Everything everybody expected, everything Johns did, which was a a pseudo, or which was called anything close to an event that people thought, oh, it's got to be Blackest Night or Sinestro Core War, and then it kept letting people down, and people kept getting disappointed. 
to the point where they had to put disclaimers on it like they did with um, Third Army, making it sound like this really isn't an event. This is kind of like the build up to the next event because they knew people were kind of getting excited about Rise of the Third Army and they were starting to get expectations. So they had to kind of put a damper on those quickly because Lord knows if people really thought that thing was going to be a big event, they would have been even more disappointed <laughs> in it. So you get to the point where we didn't we were kind of getting sick of having events all the time, especially events that went on for like friggin' like however many parts Wrath of the First Lantern was. It just like went out was relentless. But then you get to the point where you're looking at some some of the story arcs that are going on when you're not in an event. And like we talked about at least in the beginning, at least the first three issues that we've kind of reviewed of all these titles. And onto themselves, other than New Guardians. None of them were that all that really that thrilling as far as where they were going with it. I kind of like Red Lanterns. I think was kind of interesting. The stuff going on in the core in core didn't interest me that much. The stuff going on in Green Lantern didn't interest me that much where they're going. So I think that's like a catch twenty two where they are too, which is if you just at least in the in how they're in where the books are going when they're not in events right now. It's like, well, that may not be all that satisfying either. And then it's kind of like, well, okay, and that makes you almost want an event because at least that's something big and something that might be more interesting. Well, but the, you, it, the, I mean, that makes sense. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind what was the first thing we saw on Green Lantern number twenty-one? A flash forward of the future of Relic taking yes. over the battery. One of the first, one of the thing, first things we saw throughout all the, the number twenty-ones. All the rings kind of powering down briefly. Yes. And, uh, you know, kept cutting out. What was the first thing we saw in, in, in 21 of New Guardians? At the very end of the title, the anomaly burst open and there's Relic. Right. So, even if the first three issues, you know, are judged, uh, of each of these series are judged on their own, it doesn't matter because they knew, okay, so we gotta tell... Okay, so three issues worth of story, but it's got to tie into this big uh, event thing, you know. So it doesn't, it does, it didn't matter. They're, they they didn't have anything to work with. So even though Lights Out was a five part crossover event, it doesn't really matter because the first three issues of all of these series were just set up for this five part crossover event. For the most part, yes. Red Lanterns having a little more meat to them, actually unrelated. Right. Actually, Core too. Yeah, Core's Core. Core had, had had a lot of stuff that was not just related to, but there's, but in a way, certainly New Guardian was purposely set up to be more or less the prologue to the whole relic thing. That was where most of the relic things happened. In. Right. And then, and even in the flagship title in Green Lantern, I mean, there's stuff they're going to deal with. They do end up going back to with Nolange and things that we'll be dealing with after. But you know, but. A lot of that was just again setting up things people were going to see in Lights Out. So you're, so, and I, and you're right. I'm also looking ahead at some of the issues that have come out after Lights mm-hmm. Out to, th- to see the direction of where they're going so far. That at least for me right now, it's like I don't know. It's like I kind of didn't. Wa- I I want to have a break from some of the events. Or at least like if there were five part events like this, it wouldn't be so bad. But still, getting getting kind of a break from it. But then you look at some of the things that they're doing when they're. When the when the book is kind of run, these books are running on their own, it's like I'm not even sure if I'm if that's satisfying me either. So it's kind of like a catch. To me, it's like a catch twenty two. Well, it's like I don't know where I want. I, I don't know what I want. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the less you know the bet the less true of the two evils or the more satisfying 
way to go. Well, I mean, maybe it's just a choice. I'm sorry. Just me. Let me just get. Um, it might just be the choice of what where they're going with these books. It's not like you can't. They can't be doing stuff that would be completely interesting, unrelated to either the, another event or the spectrum. But it just seemed. Go ahead. No, uh, well, Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I mean, look at the first three issues again. I mean, what what was the main storyline in in Green Lantern? Somebody escaped. Hal had to go get her. Small, just small, quick story beat. Green Lantern Corps. Uh, John's got to deal with some relationship stuff, uh, and then take some recruits to go respond to an emergency situation. Small, quick, self-contained story that can be resolved in just a couple of issues. New Guardians. Eh, it's all set up for lights out, anyways. Red Lanterns. Guy joins the Corps and grabs a ship. Small, self-contained, two-issue thing. Two, three-issue thing. Like, I mean... It's... And, and you know, I, even though I haven't read Beyond Lights Out at this point, when you mentioned the, the, the black stuff spewing out of the source wall and them talking about what Kyle saw beyond the wall, I knew that was set up for something else. You didn't, you didn't have... I, you didn't have to tell me that that was going to be, you know, hey, keep in mind, or, you know, you, I didn't have to read any news stories. When I read that, I was like, here we go again. They're setting up the next thing, and I guarantee you it's only going to be just a couple of issues away before it starts happening. Um, I don't know. That, that's whatever. So uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the quick detail things I want to point out about Green Lantern 24 Part 1 thing Although I like the art, one of my pet peeves is central power batteries, the way people draw central power batteries. Yeah, that looks horrible. It looks okay. It's the, the, the part where the light comes out, the little portals at the other end, are really narrow. Yes. Especially when you get to the part where it's it, there's a shot of Relic, and it's behind Relic. I, don't, I can't remember what page it's on, because you know I got these digitally, so it's it's... Uh, the page numbers. I'm trying to find it as we as we speak. Was it was it close to the end, or was it earlier on in the issue? Uh, it's close to the end. Right, it's it's right before it explodes in the big crack. Oh yes, I yeah I see. Do you see the way yeah. that battery looks? Yeah, that's why that's what I mean when it was horrible. I just mean that this, it's not it's not in proportion. Even even even. In the same page, up in the top panel, when Hal's got all those power batteries, the individual batteries hanging around his head, I mean, I mean, around his neck, excuse me, they look hot. They're just not shaped like Lantern. Yeah. Not properly, anyway. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, another thing specifically about this issue I wanted to point out, the power battery being destroyed and the fact that it's connected to Oa. Haven't we seen the lantern like fall over and be completely drained of energy and all of this other stuff in the past before? Did it fall over? I know the yellow one fell over. No, I know the, I know the, the the green one fell over during Blackest Night. Did it? F like, did it? I think so. Uh, it probably did. I'm just trying to remember. Well, well, that's another thing too. It's fun. it's good that you mentioned that because that was. The whole idea of the power, the power battery being tied, you know, being basically connected to the core of, of Oa. I mean, obviously that we know that's a complete retcon too, because I mean, as we've seen multiple times when Oa was recreated to begin with by Tom. I mean, the, the central power battery was in, being held by a, you know, in, the, in Hal's hand. 
So there wasn't. So I guess you could have made the case it was all connected through the base of the statue, but the power battery itself certainly was not directly connected to through the base of the battery into OA. And then that was that was one of the first retcons actually Jeff Johns ever did in Rebirth was making it sound like that that, that the the battery itself was not you know connected to Hal's statue or whatever. It wasn't. It was independent of Hal's statue. Mm-hmm. Because Hal's statue gets destroyed early on, and like all Hal statues tend to get destroyed. So that I thought, yeah, that struck that that struck me as that struck me as odd in in that in that issue too. Um, that it seemed like a plot point that they wanted, and and even though we've seen Oa destroyed before, and we know at some point it'll probably be recreated again, it kind of it's still kind of it kind of stunk. I mean, it didn't bother me nearly as much as what happened to the Blue Lanterns because. Because the Green Lantern Corps is still alive. <laughs> yeah. And they still have a new home, and they have a new battery now, so. True enough. I did like that line at the end of the in the, in the annual, which is kind of relevant, actually, as far as something that would be worthwhile knowing. When Hal makes that little comment in the trauma, the trauma was like, you wouldn't mind showing me how to do that, would you? But teach me how to do that, because it kind of is a valuable skill learning how to build a central power battery, because they, <laughs> it may come in handy. You would think the Guardian, the new, you would think the Templar Guardians could do it, but other than that, and I did like the temp, I and the Templar Guardians, I think, to continue to come off pretty well. Yes, yeah. that they certainly have, they certainly have much more developed personalities um, as a whole. Certainly than the other Guardians did. We know other than Ganthet and Say, they pretty much were blank slates. They're, they certainly seem to be a lot, a lot more rational, a lot more humorous, a lot more open-minded about things. They, they always do have their moments when they're Guardian-like, and, and every time they do have those, they, they do have their moments that it almost never fails to be pointed out by somebody. It's like, oh, a Guardian doing, telling us to do this, or, or bossing us around. It's like we've never seen that before. It's kind of like. Which does kind of get repetitive that you have to be reminded constantly. It's like, but they do it in a funny way, so it's not so, it's not it's not so bad. But I think the but I think the Templar Guardians come across pretty well. You still kind of get the vibe, the Guardian vibe off of them, especially at the end of the of the annual when they like nobody can know about this, like nobody can know that Kyle's alive, and pretty much nobody can know what I just read in Kyle's mind. It's like we can't talk about this. I got a, I got, I got a sinister vibe off of them too. Uh, early on, like in, um, in uh, Green Lantern, the Citadel. Yeah, when they're like, when when Salak is like, "What are you doing here?" and they're like, "We came to learn what our brethren before the planets lost." Like, there's no way. Like maybe they could have been doing anything else, but there's a. I mean. There's a there has to be a reason they are learning they're they're doing what they're doing like they're they're going to call back to this later. No, I agree. I, I think that was uh yeah. Plus the looks on their faces, even though the, you could justify the looks on their faces because of the fact that they were destroying the machines. Yeah. But yes, I do think. And plus, of course, it's because it's Salak too. It's going to automatically take. You're automatically going to think whether it's a red herring or not. You're going to automatically think that it means that there's going to be something on the dark side going on there because he's so paranoid about the Guardians now, mm-hmm. and he's so completely distrustful of anything to do with the Guardians, even the Templar Guardians. That he's going to look at everything a little more uh, carefully than he did before. Mm-hmm. I really. Going to Red Lanterns, I really, I really like. I, as I mentioned, as we 
kind of mentioned today when we were when you when you posted that picture of uh, the sucker punch thing from Guy, that that panel from that from this issue. The fact that I do, I really like Dexter and I'm calling I'm calling the butcher a cow. <laughs> like stop cow, bad cow. <laughs> I, I thought I thought that was really funny, but I but but I. But I also thought I really liked that. I really liked the Kyle and having the exchange with Atrocitus. And he goes, for what it's worth, you know, I'm really sorry, Atrocitus, but I really need the butcher. You know, we're trying to say, you know, the the entire universe is in peril. And he and but and Atrocitus is like as ever, like, but same shit, different day. Like every single day, something's going on. <laughs> but but even funnier, when, I think it's even funnier just the way when, you know, Kyle's trying to make him understand he's getting blown off and, and, and he's Atrocitus. Like you said, is making it clear you're on the list, and he's like, uh, you know what? Just you know what, man? I don't really don't care. You just sit here holding your cat in one hand and your grudges in the other. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just—it just—it's just really. I mean, it's true, but it's just really funny. I think just the whole concept of yeah, yeah a trust is just sit there holding his cat, and then and then you know figuratively holding all his grudges in, the, in his one free hand because he's because he is making the list. It it, it was just it was kind of funny. I like that. I really like that exchange. Um, uh, Green Lantern Core 24 had a lot of stuff in it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just quickly mentioning, it was kind of cool. Uh, I mean, not really much to talk about, but the Citadel being uh, uh, an escape rocket, that was cool. Um, the Whatever his name was, uh, I already forgot it again, sacrificing himself, uh, that was cool. Uh, and, uh, but, but one of the, I guess the only thing really in that issue to, to, to discuss was the page of the, uh, science cells prisoners being released. Um, one of the, one of the, I mean, Kanjar Rowe makes an appearance. That's awesome. So. And we will see him again in a not too distant future in these, in our, in an episode review. Yeah. And some of them, uh, just, for people who don't know, Kanjar Rowe is one of uh, the classic Justice League villains slash Green Lantern villains. I mean, he, he kind of goes back and forth. I think he was originally a Justice League villain. I think he's kind of been commandeered lately. The kind of the kind of the way Mongol was as a Green Lantern villain. Uh, but uh, yeah, and for some reason, who who is that guy? When 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 they're all being released from the science cells, and who is the guy that says we are free? I knew you were going to ask that. Off the top of my head, I don't. I he does kind of look familiar, but but because that is absolutely somebody I know. I've seen that guy, and especially and that armor and everything before. That, that dude is somebody. And we have Evil Star being freed in here too, I believe. I think you see him in the corner, next to Vaz. I think, I think that's supposed to be him. Either way, he he he's definitely another guy who is supposedly in the science cells. Let me see. Zoom. I think that's him to the left of of Vaz and the center page on the center panel on that page when they're being free. So there's a star on his face, but it may. Not, but he certainly he certainly in. He was busted out of these science cells, I believe, because we see him soon enough. Also, there is like I'm kind of alluded to when we would mention when you were mentioning the breakout that a lot of these mm-hmm. the, these convicts, the escapees, are 
things that uh, the Green Lantern Corps ends up dealing with um, shortly after uh, lights out. That once we start moving beyond the 24s and get into 25, 26, 27, this becomes more of a of a plot to try to basically. Well, now we got to go clean up or you know pick up the trash. Yeah, that that has that so. has to be Evil Star. Now that I look at it. And and the splash page uh, opposite of uh, with the uh, lanterns. the lanterns flying off, I know it's I know it's like you know they're abandoning their their quote unquote home world and um, the planet's about to explode and it's somber. But that one lantern on the left side that looks like a dolphin. Yep. I saw that and I was <laughs> immediately I was like so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. James, make that our closing song. So long and thanks for all the fish. Everybody likes a good a good rendition of So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Um Yeah, I think that I mean that, that was about it on that one. Uh, I'm just trying to I'm I'm just going through them one by one trying to see if there's anything in particular. Right, so am I at this point. So, were you surprised that the Indigo Tribe showed up the way they did, considering they really were a non-factor at all until uh, it wasn't? Even, I think it wasn't even hinted that they were going to be in the storyline until. Not, not, not really. Um, I mean, well, I wasn't surprised. It was, it was cool to see, and I was like, oh, okay, well, they're involved. That's that's kind of cool, but it wasn't like shocking because we're dealing with Oa. Yasmalt and I mean Oa and Yasmalt is one thing. Oa Yasmalt in the very edge of known space. You're talking a shit ton of distance. And the power is being drained. So it makes sense to have them involved. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. I mean I I think the one thing that you know the one thing that well, I guess well I I think they could have worked it into the pro, into the five issue the proper five issue story arc as opposed to doing it ahead of time i think from a from a promotional point of view i think in a way it was unfortunate that they they leaked the way they they leaked out before even the, how the, the prologue of the build-up to lights out that how one lantern core was going to be destroyed yeah and then of course they destroyed that lantern core before it technically lights out even begins yeah so there was no real mystery involved. I mean, if you had kind of said, "Oh, more than one was," you know, more than one wasn't going to make it out, and then you killed one in the beginning, then you still had the mystery of who's the other. Yeah. But you know, that kind of. So I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. So it's like one one land. Though I'm, I'm trying to remember how they phrased it. They may have said they may have said that one lantern core will be dist- will be destroyed. You know, by the end of lights out, if not you know in lights out. But either way, I thought that was. It might have been better served if it had been in, in the actual lights out proper as opposed to New Guardians. But <laughs> one of the things I wanted to point out about New Guardians, the the issue, the cover for New Guardians. Does Ophidian remind you of anything? Um, particularly on the cover, he he's drawn different in the actual issue, but on the cover, does he remind you of anything? Tell me what he reminds you of, and I'll tell you if I can see it. Because off the top, because I, I don't, I, it's, I'm not getting a picture in my in my head of anything in particular. Aladdin when Jafar gets turned into a genie and then turns into a giant snake. Yeah, <laughs> my, my my Aladdin viewing has been a long time coming, so I wouldn't have picked up on that one. I see, he looks exactly like Jafar does when he turns into a snake. 
<laughs> Sorry, Aladdin's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, number one Disney movie of all time. It's uh, <laughs> awesome. Um, the white entity looks weird, yeah, too. Yeah, it does. Kind of almost looks like alien as opposed to... A, Angelic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even I, I mean, even Ion, I mean, but the teeth looks kind of kind of weird because they give them the jagged teeth like a shark. Yeah. Yeah. But I, the art looks weird to me in this book. Um, in New Guardians? Yeah. I mean, Brad Walker's art looks weird. I don't know if it's the art or the inks. Maybe the inks are too heavy or something like that. I don't, it looks. It doesn't look bad. I'm not saying it looks bad. I'm not pointing it out and going, eh, it looked weird and I didn't really enjoy it kind of a thing. I still enjoy it. But it just feels so... Not, not drastically different from the other issues. But enough that where you, you know... You know, I guess Green Lantern Core is a good middle ground between this and Green Lantern... But if you were to read Green Lantern and then jump to New Guardians, like let's say new, the New Guardians part was part two rather than part three, it would feel jarring. I can see that. Yeah. But the colors, man, I love the colors. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I like the way this issue is drawn for the most, I yeah. mean, I, th- I thought for the most part that, I mean, there's certainly some, I mean, there are some pictures of Hal that look really Hal-like. I mean, even on page two when he's kind of like, yelling at Kilowog, we're going to regroup, we're going to prepare to fight no matter what. That that really, you know, that, look, that looks like, you know, like classic Hal there. Yeah. So I thought, I, and I, I like I liked the art in this book. I don't, I don't know if I'm entire, I probably wasn't entirely in love with the design of, of Kyle being the host for all those entities. Um, but I get why they did it. It's a call. It's yeah, and the, and, the, and the white, I like the cape. I always like having a cape. And the white, and the white, and the white, the white hair, mm-hmm. um, even though it's more wings actually than a cape, I guess technically. I, I you know, the thing I liked the most was the was the internal dialogue amongst all the entities yeah. when they were kind of like talking and or talking amongst themselves to each other and also talking to Kyle, the way they're using all their respective uh, emotions or part of the spectrum to try to motivate or tell Kyle what to do and their inner dialogue with the, with the uh, I just, yes, we love you, Kyle. You know, we feel for you, Kyle. All that, and it's just, it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah. It is. It. I thought that. I thought that was a. That was. That was pretty cool. I, mean, I don't think it comes as a great surprise that we saw. Even though, I guess, technically speaking, we still have not seen anybody be a host for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one time, this is about the closest that we've gotten. If he had parallax in him, then he would have pretty much had the host of all the living entities, including life. But I don't think it came as a great surprise that that was that, that happened. I think we've always kind of suspected that somebody was going to end up having being being a host for all of them at the same time. Yeah. But it was it was cl- it was clever as far as like, so the one thing I thought that was an interesting decision, and I don't know if I would have done it was the fact that when they're in the final issue in the annual when they're talking and K- Kyle's talking about. Relic is talking about you know the, the source must be there the uh, the the, re- the reservoir, which again talking going briefly going on a tangent talking about what you said about the um not the mystery of the source wall it was at least on the surface a little bit clever that that potentially the source wall could be named because it's the source the wall protecting the source of the emotional spectrum, yeah. 
it's it's i'm sure the rest of dc won't potentially wouldn't be happy at the fact that you know the lanterns are commandeering the wall for some for their own basically for that purpose mm-hmm. but it's but it but it was kind of it was clever on that part but just the fact that kyle's going on the entities and you know the entities inside me agree you know, they aren't sure what happens next but we must refill the reservoir i i don't know if i would have been as I think I would have tried to write it in a way that they didn't completely acknowledge that there was a reservoir, <laughs> that they knew something was wrong or they felt that something was wrong and it had to be on the, we had you know we had to get to the other side of uh, the other side of the source wall, you know, to resolve it or whatever. I, I know I think it's not it's not the end of the world and I guess based on where the stories they want to tell it's probably not that's probably part of the mystery maybe that um, they don't want that part to be a mystery. They want, like we talked about before, probably the out. You know, if there's going to be an out anytime soon, it will be that, yes, there's a reservoir. No, it's not by its very nature finite. There's a reason something was making it, was draining it, and that's the only reason why it wasn't replenishing the way it normally would. Why the, why the willpower and the, and the hope and the, and the love of everybody in the universe wasn't enough to keep it at least constant, you know? That, so that maybe they just want to... Maybe that was the the bone they were throwing to relic to, to prove that yes, absolutely, one hundred percent, he was right that there was a reservoir. He's just going to be wrong about what's happened, what's happening to it. I I just thought it would have been a little bit more of a mystery if they didn't have the entities themselves automatically acknowledge. Oh yes, there's a reservoir. Yeah. But I also thought it was interesting, which is kind of weird. Again, maybe it's the way peop, the way the writing was as far as knowing what was supposed to happen and what issue and having it coincide. If you go back to the end of Red Lanterns, when Kyle shows up at the source wall talking to Relic, he just casually throws out, you know, that's what, you know, yeah, you're, you're picking up on more powerful readings from me. And you know why? Because I have the entities of the emotional spectrum inside me. Mm-hmm. And Relic doesn't even, doesn't even blink about that. It's like, oh, I don't even, what? And then over here, he seems like completely stunned in a way that, you know, that there's, you know, that there's light, light creatures inside him or what that meant. It just seemed kind of kind of weird i know kyle does reference it before he gets sucked out of him again but it's just kind of think that's something you would think relic would be a little more interested in or at least would make some comment about before he started especially if he hasn't dealt with them before right but and you would think he would know about it too because remember he, he he basically had kyle teach him everything there is to know about this universe yes and i was just going to point that out good 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 point the fact that he made when he was yeah when he was talking to Hal, Kyle makes the point of saying, well, he you know he knows everything about the emotional spectrum that I do, and since I've mastered, uh, patting himself on the back, as I've mastered all the <laughs> all the colors of the spectrum, I know a lot, which is but which is also true. Kyle doesn't know a lot too. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you would think yeah a basic thing would I mean you you don't have to you don't <laughs> you don't even have to be a master of the emotional spectrum to to know that there's entities of all these different chords at this point. I mean, he could have gotten that from Carol, really, too. So, yeah, that was kind of... Or maybe, I guess they could explain it away, but he just didn't think it was that that relevant since all he cared about was capturing the light, just like there's a this discussion in the issue that basically he needs light that's unused. They make the point of saying that once once light's been used and gets sent at him, it's almost like, I, can figure, I forget which issue it was and how they phrase it, but it's kind of like once once it's been used or once it's been focused or something, he doesn't. It's no it's no use to him. That's why that's why we that's why he has no problem reflecting it upon somebody else. That it's that it's basically unused light that is all he's interested in. Right. That that's kind of an interesting point too. That what's that's why he doesn't just simply absorb every single light blast that comes at him because once it's it's got to be 
basically still part of the spectrum, essentially untapped for him to be able to do what he needs to do with it. So well, and and the one of the things, uh, Red Lanterns, uh, and I'm going on a complete tangent now. Um, Feel free. But R- Red Lanterns actually did introduce something. One of my favorite parts of the entire event, and not necessarily as far as like. A moment that within the event that makes me happy, but something that hints at future things that makes me happy. I mean, Red Lancers, you had Atrocity Butcher. Oh, God. oh yes, your favorite line. Uh, yeah, that was that's horrible. a horrible name. Um, uh, forgetting that, uh, and forgetting naked cat cuddling and all that weird stuff. Uh, one of the things it introduced that I really like is the idea that after all this is over, the Reds get their own sector all to themselves. So that basically means what I was saying earlier about we get self-contained stories within their own titles. Maybe Red, Red Lanterns is where we'll get that. Maybe, now, whether or not that's like the next few issues remains to be seen, but at least that gives them the opportunity to going forward in, in the, near, near, the near or not-so-near future that Red Lanterns has an excuse to be a self-contained lantern title based on the fact that the Reds have their own sector. And as, as, as we know from at least the Green Lantern movie, according to Tomar Ray, you know, the number of stars you can see on your home planet from uh, on its clearest night, your sector is like ten times that much. You know, the sectors are, space sectors are gigantic. So you could technically allow you know, the Red Lanterns to have as many stories as you want because sectors are massive. So. And plus, well, it's, it's Sector 666 that you smalt is on, right? I, I believe that's correct. So, I would imagine that... that what was it? Was that... Was it is... No, wait. Was it is malt six, No, wasn't it... Uh, Riot? Riot. Riot was 666, I think. I think... I don't remember. After a while, I get so confused. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, let me take a look. Yeah, but is, is your small also in 666? I didn't think... I didn't think it was. Isn't your... Yeah, I think... Let's see. Isn't your small... Um, Atrocitus' home planet? Or was it so right? I'm saying... I think his small supposed to be... Yeah, I don't know. I know for I, I know think... for sure Riot was where the black battery showed up the first time. I think I think Riot was six I think Riot was six six six. It looks like Yismalt might be twenty eight fourteen now. Because hmm. I remember Jim asked me that a while ago. He asked me, was Yismalt always in sector twenty eight fourteen? Because I think they at the very least they they kinda they kinda retconned it. I think and they may have retconned it, mm-hmm. but it says located at least according to Comic Vine, it's definitely in, in, in 2814 now. Also in 2814. Um, that's what it says. So does that? Um, ooh, I wonder if that sets up the Supergirl thing. Probably does. They can't interfere because Sector 2814 is their the Reds' territory now, and Earth is theirs. Uh, I don't know if I like that. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, the, the the whole point being, it gives them so many different ways to go with storytelling in that title. Yes. And 
So that was yeah. That's not only was it a clever bargain for Guy. It's a good. It's a good way to, to put, take the Red Lanterns off in a different direction and as potentially open up the interaction with um. Since none of none of the Earth Lanterns have anything to do with Earth, it's sort of, other than at the moment none of them do. So it'd be kind of kind of ironic that you know that if it turned out that the one we see on Earth more often than anyone would be Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak, speaking of speaking of uh, your small and all the rage and everything, it, 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 this leads me straight into Green Lantern Annual Number Two. You 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 made you made a joke about it, and I do think it's funny, but at the same time, this is so horribly placed that they should not have done this at all. Lights out, Green Lantern, Will, Red Lantern, Rage, Big Time Rage. <laughs> that, yes. that that you're correct. It's in based on the the seriousness of where we are. It, unless you know, unless it's one of those things where you they put it in simply because they figured a lot of people wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> it, it 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 doesn't matter. I mean, the dialogue. Okay, maybe you want to throw in a joke here and there, or whatever. I mean, it is guy going up against Hal. That you you've already got the dynamic there to throw in a little bit of kind of in your face kind of humor. But the 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 editor little blips like that's not the place to throw in humor. That was totally unneeded. I'm not saying it's a big deal and I'm pissed about it or anything. But I saw when I saw that I was just like, really guys, there. That's where you wanted to. No, don't do that. Um, it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But on the same on the same panel now, I have the digital copy, so I don't know if your printed copy did this. Is uh is the Green Lantern symbol sideways? Yes. Okay. So there there's an error there. The Green Lantern symbol is yes, sideways. Is. Yep. Unless they're going for uh Tie Fighter. Or uh Batman in Darkest Night uh his symbol. <laughs> with the with the not not the green part, but the, the clear parts that are showing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Or like an almost like an or like an almost like an ion, like an, almost like an ion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, you really think about it. Those those are things that should not be happening. No, not really. I mean, it it it's it's like every freak. Like I think we talked. Well, I know I've talked about it before. I don't think since we've been hosting, but it's just like the way they can't freaking get the blue lantern symbol ever for being the right way, seemingly in any of the statues that they make. <laughs> that it's always it's always upside down. It's like. It's always up. I mean, at some at some part of the statue, it's always upside down. The Saint Walker Blackest Night bust. The st- his symbol's correct on his chest, but the symbol in the front is wrong. They have it upside down. The Saint Walker maquette from the animated series. His his lantern symbol is upside down. And it's like, at the, if you can't figure friggin' figure out which way to make the symbol, then separate the angel wings a little bit. Then you won't have to worry because it'll be the same upside right side up as upside down. <laughs> I mean, I like it connected because that's the way it really is supposed to be, since that's the way it first appeared. But which is one of those completely tangents. I really wonder if that was something. I mean, obviously Jeff Johns designed it that way, so it's got so it's got to be what he wanted. But when you think about it, the blue lantern symbol, if it was originally designed with a like the lantern wings were off the battery on that symbol, then all the positive emotions. Uh, if all the positive side of the emotional spectrum, the symbols are the exact same upside down as right side up. Mm-hmm. By connecting it to the battery, that's the only one of the positive emotions that isn't the same upside down. So that was just something I know I it dawned on me a long time ago. I was like, that's interesting. I mean, it's just, uh, and obviously we know all the negative emotion, 
negative quote unquote emotions of the spectrum are completely different. That upside down, they're not anywhere close to being the same. But it's interesting that all the positive ones were, except the blue when it's drawn the technically the proper proper way. <laughs> but that's yeah, that I could see why that would bother you. That comment, that big big time rage. But it but it, but it did when I was when I was rereading the issue, it did kind of it did kind of strike me. I think it. It's kind of. Funny. I think it's funny in annual number two. The only construct that Rancor. Rancor throws at uh, uh, Relic is a double-decker bus. <laughs> like they're going, hey, don't forget, he's British. I'm English, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. It's ridiculous. Um, so, so Yismalt is in 2814. Earth is in 2814. Knock is in 2814. Yes, seemingly everything is in 2014 these days. Uh, Almost anyway. That's gonna be it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I did I did like the the stuff on Knock. I I hope we get to see Knock more in the future, whether it be in the next few issues or whatever. Um, and in 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 a capacity where it's not like you know, like when we first saw it with Sinestro and Hal there. And it's you know they're they're running for their lives, but like actually explore this planet and what's going on here and everything, and, and get a little chance, get some more chance to in, interact and figure out more about the Indigo Tribe. Um, I think that would be cool, but because I just like seeing Knock because it's a prison planet, and it's the entire planet is cloaked, and you know Nat Romo is he a guardian? You know, they, they, they haven't said it was or not or, or anything, but, I mean, he's short, and he's the leader of a core, and he can build a battery. Well, we know he's their guardian, whether he's, you know, how closely he's tied to the the guardians of the universe, yes, that kind of that kind of remains up in the air, but we know he's certainly guardian-like. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that reminds me. He he did rebuild the central power battery, but O is destroyed, and the only batteries that uh, Salak and them uh, grabbed were minor, remember? And they were already out. So do they also need to build and design uh, more individual lantern batteries? I would assume at some point they would just create another foundry. True, but are they also... Are they... Um, that's a good point. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, going back to your theory about how much survives, you know, your, your point, how much survives when a planet blows up. Um, it does, yeah. But then again, they have the whole pocket universe thing, I guess you can well, kind of get Well, away do with. they? Because remember... Um, oh, yeah, I mean, that's right with, the, with that, that whole storyline. Yeah, there was that storyline. Yeah. Wasn't it, wasn't it the... Um, what were the keepers. Yeah, the keepers. the keepers. What That was where the batteries were, right? It was technically, it was on... Something else? Yes. They yeah. on another planet, and they weren't really reaching in a pocket universe. They were just reaching onto the surface of this planet or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember that story. Yep. Yeah. Um, as far as annual number two, there wasn't anything in particular I wanted to, to talk about. Um, I did like the idea that some of the more dedicated members of the core kind of quit because they didn't want to waste the energy. 
and they didn't want to put the universe in peril. Because you know, those particular lanterns loved being lanterns. Right. Even though even though uh, Hanu never really used his ring or whatever, you know he respected the what it what the core meant to him and everything. Whenever whenever someone screwed up and messed with the core, that group of lanterns were always the first ones to be like, "Hey, don't fuck with the core." You know what I mean? So that's that 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 was cool to see. Um, and then of course you got all the stuff with Kyle kind of setting everything up. So. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't know if there's anything else in particular that happened in this issue. It's just it wasn't bad. I mean, a lot of people said that uh, the the lights out cross. I mean, that's my final thoughts on it. A lot of people said that lights out was horrible. Um, I can see their some of their complaints. And, you know, we mentioned earlier uh, what some of some of our individual complaints were, but I don't think it was awful. No, definitely wasn't. Awful. Yeah, I mean, it it, it 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 wasn't the best Green Lantern storyline I've ever read, and it wasn't, you know, I don't even know if I would say it was longer than it needed to be, but you know, it it it, it was it was okay. You know, it, it introduced some cool stuff, and you know, whatever. I, I I don't mean to be so mad about it because there was things things about it I did enjoy. Like I said, particularly the art and the colors and all of that stuff. I really enjoyed the way it looked. Um, I enjoyed some of the con the, the concepts. And you know, like like we said earlier, at least they weren't afraid to introduce stuff into the mythos. You know what I mean? They didn't ask for like blueprints yeah. from Johns to be like, eh, we don't want to screw with it too much. Obviously, you got a good thing going here. You know, they immediately went to, hey. This reservoir can run out, you know. This the, it, it, that's a completely new concept. So you know, at least they weren't afraid to try it. And uh, you know, there are some people out there who enjoy the idea. Some of them who don't. And you know, even like we said earlier, even if even if they do have a, a backdoor out of this, they did set that up. You know, there were no entities in Relic's universe. He never saw a white light. So there are things different in this universe. So maybe there isn't a reservoir. You know. Relic is half right, you know, that kind of a thing. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm sure they'll peel back some of those curtains later on. I agree. I think ov- I think overall it was... I think it was... Overall it was a pretty good storyline. I The ending did surprise me a little. But the... I thought we were going to... And I give them, again, like we talked about, I give them credit for... Our, the fact that it wasn't the ending wasn't entirely predictable, and it wasn't where at least right now you didn't find out. Oh, relic was pretty much completely wrong, even though they did. Besides the obviously some of the plot points we've discussed, which kind of could lead lead to the outs. It's just a fa- in the in the which you know undoing the storyline or the or the main part of it about the reservoir. That still is the idea that kind of like the fact that he was he was. He was a scientist, and he and he was dedicated to science. But despite the fact that he still had no real proof of anything of his entire theory, he just didn't let it. He was like a dog with a bone. He just didn't let it go. <laughs> he was like I have no proof. Of, uh, this is what I believe, and just because everything runs out, so I was like, I have. I've never. I've never come close to finding the damn reservoir, but I know there is one. So and and I'm gonna rip the energy from you and put it and yeah, it was just, that part was it was it was it was interesting. Relic was an interesting character. I'm, we'll probably see him again. The fact that he almost made his way out of this 
the uh, source wall is kind of <laughs> maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. Um, plus, he we know he passed through the source wall once before when he got reformed. So, but it was as an event. It certainly. I mean, I like I like New Guardians as far as of all the books so far. I think even after Lights Out, New Guardians so far it's been pretty good. But I would say that I certainly think this was the. Be- up to this point, Lights Out certainly was the best part of the new creative team's efforts. Uh, I thought it was the most, so certainly the most interesting to me what they did, and that's why I'll be curious to see in the wake of Lights Out before whatever the next event and where, whenever that comes to fruition, it'll be interesting to see where, what direction the books go in and how and how interesting they are. Not just you know obviously to me, but to everybody out there who's reading and to you, and just to see what people's reactions are to see if. To see if, if as we get closer to a year now since Johns has been off the book, that it would be curious to see if a lot of the people that were gung ho to get Johns off the book and were sick of Johns and yada 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 are now going to more and more people are going to say, well, maybe you know we were kind of didn't appreciate what we had when we had it, or whether more people are going to say, well, you know, kind of this is different, but I'm kind of getting used to it and I kind of like it. So it'll, it'll be it'll, it's kind of at an interesting point now to see where they're going to go because they got the first event over with. We are getting close. You know, once we get to May, that should be a year since since uh, Johns has been gone. So it'll be curious to see uh, what what the state of the Green Lantern Union is at that point and how people <laughs> and how people view it. How apropos. How apropos, based on the day we're doing this. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess what listener feedback now. Sure. All right, so I'm going to do some Twitter stuff, uh, and then after we do Twitter, we'll do an email and see if we have enough time to do some Facebook stuff as well. Um, uh, looking at how long we've been recording, probably not. Uh, but we'll say if not, we'll just save that for the next episode. Um, so on Twitter, just running it down real quick, we want to give a shout out to Andy. Um, you know, he said. Uh, Stuff like you know, if they if they reduce the focus, uh, you know, they could probably get some better stories, such as you know, reducing the focus of of, of the cast and the stories being spread thin and everything. Uh, so he was agreeing with me on that point. Um, Jesse and Floto uh, were giving us some good shout outs. Uh, uh, Games plus James, which is James, our producer, um, and Mike uh, actually posted a tweet. Uh, uh, about having the first Green Lantern review episode up, and Robert Venditti uh, said thanks for the heads up, and he'll give it a listen when he gets the chance. Um, uh, and you know, I was like, hey, be careful, you know, just heads up, you know, we're we're being brutally honest. He was like, haha, sounds <laughs> ominous. Uh, um, uh, I, I, and then I released the uh, the uh, Green Lantern Green Arrow episode. Episode number two with the interviews with Neil Adams and uh, Denny O'Neill. If you guys haven't heard that yet, um, a lot of people are excited about that. Scott and Andy, um, Jim was being funny, and I was like, "I got a surprise for you guys." He was like, "Is it cake? Is that the surprise?" <laughs> Hashtag I want cake. Um, got some new followers with Allie and Chris. Uh, Dwayne, as always, is one of his uh, one of our adamant followers, and he was retweeting and favoriting all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, Corwin made the announcement when we got the news that uh, Sinestro would be getting his own series. Of course, Corwin would. Uh, and he's saying bye-bye, Larflees. Uh, and that led to a, a, a whole 
a whole back and forth about who's picking what, and then I said I made a comment on my personal Twitter about where's my Bleeds and Fatality Romance comic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Corwin made fun of me for that, <laughs> and then uh, Flota made the comment that we might have to bring back the comics code. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then someone uh, with the hashtag or the the Twitter account, the Power Surge, was like, "How about a Hal Jordan inspired RoboCop series?" Uh, that's interesting. And then Dan said, "I look forward to letting Sinestro pile up for five months." <laughs> um, um, I think Sinestro is going to be good. I have I I think Sinestro is going to be an interesting going to be an interesting read. Would I be would I be more pumped about it if Jeff Johns was writing the book? Yes, because. <laughs> Because the one thing Jeff Johns said nobody can question, I don't think, is that he got Sinestro. The one character he got better than anybody, including Hal, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, is Sinestro. And like we mentioned before, I think the mere fact that he's not writing that book, I think, speaks volumes about what his role is right now in DC, I think. Whether it's all by choice or whether it's not, I don't think he would be – I don't think if there was one book he could write monthly, I don't think he would have let that one slip by. So – I still think it's going to be interesting, though. I think they've. I think it's going to be a. I don't know how long it'll last. I'm not sure, and I don't know how when they'll it'll have more direct ties to the other Lantern books. But I bet you at some point it will, and then we'll. But that's my little tangent. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's all right. <laughs> I I believe in giving every title its 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 due diligence and giving it a chance with at least one issue, unless it's the movement or the green team. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got a, a shout out from Firestorm fan. Um, it's Shag. He runs FirestormFan.com, and he's part uh, one half of the uh, Fire and Water podcast team. Uh, he was talking about how they chat chat about Necron on the uh, Who's Who entry. Necron's Who Who's Who entry on the latest uh, podcast. Um, the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, we've never really mentioned this uh, very much. In the past, uh, at least not this particular iteration of Fire and Water. Fire and Water has a couple of different spinoffs, kind of like we do. Um, and one of the things uh, Fire and Water, uh, one of Fire and Water's spinoffs, is they have a podcast all about the Who's Who series from the 1980s. Well, started in the 1980s during uh, Crisis, uh, when Crisis was first coming out. Basically, for those of you who don't know, Who's Who was a series where they basically DC printed in alphabetical order listings uh about the history and power sets and abilities of their various characters in their universe um for some reason they didn't have me on to discuss the green when they went through the g's and talked about green lantern because they're assholes um (laughs) whatever you know why have someone spoilers why spoiler alert (laughs) why have someone who knows about green lantern on for when we talk about green lantern Ah! Um, I, I like I like when Kato's in the episode or the issue. <laughs> Those are the ones I like. <laughs> maybe click. You know, maybe maybe it's just it's just Alzheimer's setting in because they're old. Um, <laughs> but they're talking about how you know they, obviously they're in the the M N O kind of phase on their uh, their Who's Who uh, podcast. So they talked about how there was a, a Who's Who entry that they went over for Necron. Um. Justin and Superhero Speak and Paul and uh, Scott and all a whole bunch of people uh, uh, started following us and retweeting us and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we got a new follower. Van Jensen is now following us, uh, writer nice. writer of uh, Green Lantern Corps. Uh, and uh, 
you know, he he uh, is definitely going to be uh, listening in to at least one episode. Um, and then uh, Floto asked what the website uh, I mentioned. He said, what is the website called that you talk about where you can look up dates uh, comics were published slash actually released. That is actually, uh, I don't remember the actual web address. Uh, actually, uh, uh, oh, here it is, gcindexes.com. It's it's Mike's Amazing World of Comics is what it's called. You go in, you type in the issue of a, the, the, the number of, a, the, the title slash issue number of a, of, a, of a series, and it'll tell you the cover date slash date it was actually sold on stands because we both know those two dates are different uh so if you guys are running blogs or have podcasts of your own or that's information you want to know that's absolutely where you would find that information is uh dcindexes.com my uh mike's amazing world of comics um uh i I was talking about um one of the new review episodes that came out i believe it was uh our uh uh Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern New Guardians review. And Dwayne said, just listen to the latest episode. Great reviews and great conversational tangents. Keep up the great work. Uh, and he said, you ever, you guys ever consider recording live over Ustream? Um, consider it like we've actually talked about it. No, but the idea kind of halfway has been banded about, at least in the past. We can barely get pe- people to pay attention to the forum, and we did have a chat room at some point. <laughs> as far as getting the word out and say, hey guys, we'll be recording at this particular time. If anybody wants to be there, we might have one other person there. And at that point, maybe we should just have them on the Skype call in the first place, I guess. I don't know. So it it would be a cool idea if we could if if we had a lot of listeners who wanted to join in in the conversation like if we had a lot of people who could spend the time that might be a good idea um but since our listeners all seem to listen at various different times in various different ways i doubt that would work out very well <laughs> in our favor at least um maybe we'll try in the future i don't know certainly worth considering yeah uh and uh the All Comic uh, said, completely random side note here, dig the logo, fellas. <laughs> uh, and then Cajun Sean asked what the hashtag is for listener feedback again. Uh, and that is, by the way, guys, if you're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, Plus, uh, well, we're only on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so use the hashtag GLCast, uh, and that will uh, get you... Uh, that'll allow us to find each other in our little uh, conversations and everything. Um, and then uh, Corrin's uh, posted a tweet about his, his last GL bind, the end of the Jeff Johns era, which looks pretty freaking cool. Um, and then uh, the Power Surge asked Dan if there was any chance that uh, uh, Dan and Jim will be coming back to the Lantern cast. And this was just yesterday the day before as we record this and just for those of you who are wondering dan said we may publicly cover gl in some form again someday but for the for the foreseeable future it's chad and mark's show and uh he was until they kick us off that's right uh you guys suck we're taking the reins back again um and then he responded and here i was holding out hope for another drunken tirade by at chonada which is jim and then jim came back with 
I'm sure that won't be my last drunken tirade, not by a long shot. So maybe we'll be get the return of Drunk Jim on the uh, on the uh, Sliders podcast Dick <laughs> they're gonna do. And then he says, uh, best part was the whole july bugle bit as well as the mr terrific douchebag been on my ipod ever since lantern cast awesomeness <laughs> uh and then i mentioned the fact that jim is still going to be doing uh elseworlds uh when he gets a chance and maybe dan i might come back in a similar fashion i mean there are certain storylines that dan has always wanted to review like the urban night storyline and uh, other stuff like that so you know, it's 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 definitely possible that Dan uh, Dan and Jim are going to come back. I mean, I I know for sure Jim will be back for Elseworlds. And when we cover something that Dan really wants us to get his two cents on, I'm sure that uh, that uh, we'll definitely extend an invite out to him. They're all, and and guys, complete tangent here. Well, not really tangent, but uh, side note. Don't forget, it's not like this is me and Mark's show, and they're never coming back. Like, those guys are welcome on whenever they want to come back. They have an open invitation to come on, back on whenever they want. It's not like they're going to, you know, message us and go, hey, is it okay if we show up for this episode? And Mark and I will talk and be like, actually, ha. <laughs> actually, guys, uh, no, you, you're not coming on uh, on, this, uh, on this episode. We, we, we got you booked for episode 198 <laughs> for five minutes. Make it count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, guys, e- even if they don't want to be involved on an, on an episode, just like you guys, they have access to the voicemail line, 708-LANTERN, uh, or the email. If they want to record a segment longer than the three-minute limit that the voicemail line has, they can record a segment and email it to us. So, you know, it's whatever. You know, they, they, they're, they're welcome to come back whenever they want. Yes, indeed. We're kind of just keeping the seats warm for them anyway. That is correct. Um, but yeah, they're, they're welcome back anytime. And that's that's all the Twitter feedback I had, guys. So uh, we do have an email, speaking of emails. Alrighty, so email from Jesse, and it's a nice email. We, we read a lengthy email last episode, and this is another well, really well thought out one with a good comments and good questions. So let's just jump into it. Hey, Chad and Mark, I just finished listening to your last few episodes of Issue Reviews. You're all doing a great job and are worthy successor successors to Jim and Dan's legacy. I just have a few comments. First, you mentioned the discrepancy between the Durlins as tentacle monsters versus Chameleon Boy and Legion of Superheroes. I don't know the explanation for the difference, but I seem to remember an issue of Legion in the early 90s where the Durlins were shown as a mass of tentacles like they look today. My back issues are packed away, so I can't get to them. Seconds. so far, I'm enjoying the new creative teams in all of the books. The main reason I like them is that they have a fresh start after Jeff Johns and his crew started to get pretty lackluster towards the end. Don't get me wrong, I loved most of Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern. Blackest Night is the reason I got back into comics after being away for about 15 years. I went back and read from Rebirth on and found it amazing. But honestly, I got tired of Jeff Johns' style of leading from one big crossover event right into the next one. I wanted more than one issue of downtime between the universe-threatening events. Sound familiar, Chad? <laughs> uh, War of the Green Lantern's third army and first storyline, first Lantern storylines just didn't pop like the prior ones. 
Right now, I think New Guardians and Larflees are the best books in the Lantern line. I, I like Justin Jordan on his previous gig, Deathstroke. He almost saved that book up at Rob, Rob Leofield, put it in the gutter with his terrible writing, terrible storylines, and terrible art. I've been a huge Deathstroke fan since the 90s and really liked the new 52 take on him until Rob Leofield. I think DC just brought Justin Jordan in to give, him, to give it a decent storyline to go out on. As for Larflees, Keith Giffen has... Part way brought him back to being a badass again. There's still a comedic element, and he's a nice balance right now. I hated the way he had become the running gag up until that point. I've also enjoyed the post-lights-out storylines. They have separated them somewhat, sending the Reds and Kyle off on their own storylines. Green Lantern Corps and GL are still loosely tied together with the threat of the Durlins, but they, but they can stand on their own. I agree with you about the Kund. Uh, who cares? <laughs> I hope they're leading somewhere with it. Right now, it doesn't seem to have any real importance. I think it would have been better if they'd used Legion in that role. Um, Threshold established that, that they still exist in some form in the New 52. Finally, a few questions. Have you been reading Forever Evil? I've enjoyed that story, and I was stoked to see Sinestro appear to number four. I think Johns is back in top form on it. What do you think about the news that Supergirl is getting a Red Lantern ring? I guess she's not the sweet ray of sunshine that she was back when. Do you think it's a good idea for Sinestro to have his own book? They've done well with Larflee, so I'm looking forward to it. I've been wondering what his core has been up to. How about Justice League 3000? Have you picked it up? It's okay so far. I mainly picked it up to see what they do with Hal. The year 3000, Hal is an interesting combination of Green Lantern and Spectre. Visually, that is correct. Uh, wow, this email ended up being longer than I planned. Sorry, keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to your next episode. What were his? Now, I, I did write a lengthy reply to him, but it, but there probably isn't a point in me reading it. But <laughs> unless you wanted me to, but I, I thought I thought Jesse's email was pretty good. What were his questions again? I mean, because he was just basically commenting on a lot of stuff we said in the episodes, and it's nice that uh, just getting this out of the way. Thank you for writing in so much, Jesse. We appreciate that. Guys, what's going to happen with listener feedback is as we start getting e specific emails and direct messages and, and voicemails, we'll be reading and playing those voicemails more more often. And then Facebook and Twitter responses will be just, you know, listing off names. Like, you know, thank you to people on Facebook, lists off the names. Thank you to people on Twitter, list off the names rather than talking specifically and reading that that particular feedback um the reason we're doing this listener feedback for every episode and the reason we did the twitter and facebook stuff in the beginning is because you guys were not yet used to us doing listener feedback every single episode after a little while you guys are i hope the idea is at least we hope is that you'll start sending in your emails and your voicemails more frequently and we'll have, therefore, more content and stuff to respond to and play. Um, so the Twitter and, and Facebook stuff will kind of phase itself out a little bit and we'll start getting actual direct feedback like these emails. So thank you so much, Jesse, for being one of the first people to do that. That's awesome. We appreciate that. That was our goal and it's awesome that you're taking advantage of that and we love talking to you. So that's so cool to see. It's so cool to log into Gmail because you know, every now and then they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should check the Gmail account, the LanternCast Gmail, because I have, I have my own Gmail account. I'm usually logged into that one on my computer. Um, so I'm like, oh, yeah, well, there's nothing in mine. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll just double-check the LanternCast one real quick. And then suddenly, because there used to be, uh, I'll check once a week. But now every other day it's just like, oh, cool, there actually is something in there. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah I, tr I try to, yeah, I try to check it several times a week, and it's definitely good to get an email like, 
like Jesse's. It's good to have our good comments, good thoughts. See that we're. I mean, we're not. We're not we can't take all all the credit for helping inspire inspiring this great email, but obviously, you know, some of what we're doing is making him want to reply to us and give us thoughts and his comments, which is great. And his questions you asked what his questions were. Basically, his questions were about Forever Evil. Had we been reading it? Let's take them one by one. Um, Okay, that's okay. Good. So, Forever Evil, have we been reading? Um, I have not read it. Um, although, um, if you guys are part of the the, the comicforums.com, which is the CGS forums, um, I've, I have read the threads that are going the, the thread that's going on over there about Forever Evil. Apparently, people are enjoying it who thought that they would hate it. Apparently, it's you know it, people thought it was going to suck horribly, but it was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm still not intrigued enough to try it. I'm sure I'm actually going to end up reading it eventually anyways, just so I can get caught up. Forever Evil's kind of pissing me off because it's almost it, it's basically an entire year of us having to focus on villains and we're not dealing with superheroes right now, and it's kind of pissing me off. Um, I mean, you guys have heard my tirades and rants about you know the direction that DC is going and, you know, whether it be specific to Lantern titles or the way that the, they're handling their entire line or whatever it may be, Forever Evil, Forever Evil right now is a big part of that. It's really pissing me off. Um, but just to get caught up, because like I do want to keep reading, like for instance, uh, Phantom Stranger. I'm really behind on Phantom Stranger. Um, Vibe is being canceled. I have not read on a single issue of Vibe after like number three. Um, but I want to, I, I did enjoy vibe, so I want to read that. So I have a feeling and you know, like for instance, I'm behind on earth two and a few other different titles. Um, Batman, for instance, uh, apparently zero year focuses heavily on Riddler. Riddler's one of my favorite characters, period. Um, so I, I want to check that out when I'm catching up on all of these other titles that I've kind of let fall by the wayside. I'm sure there's going to be a reference in at least one of those titles to something that's going to that's been going on in uh, Forever Evil. That's going to make me curious and just go, oh hell with it! I'm just going to download those issues and see what the hell happened. Um, but I refuse to pay money for those issues because uh, I, I don't. I supported Villains Month. I thought that was a cool idea. Whether all the issues are good is one thing, and the 3D cover thing was a snafu and a mess. Regardless, the idea of having a month of solid one-shots, that was cool. But to have it lead into this like year-long DC all-encompassing titles event thing, uh, whatever. So, I probably will be reading Forever Evil, but uh, thus far, no, I haven't, Jesse. So, what about you, Mark? And I, ha- I have been reading Forever Evil. And I like it so far. I think it is. I think what he mentioned about John's kind of being back at the top of his game or as close as he's been for a while, I agree. Considering I did not touch um, Trinity War with a 10 foot pole nor had any interest in. So, um, and from what I hear, it wasn't, I pr- probably was a good decision since I don't think a lot of people really liked that storyline. It didn't seem to have a real ending other than, again, leading into Forever Evil. I like it. I think it's so far. I every issue I've read has been interesting. The concept is interesting. I also I really did like Sinestro showing up, like Jesse mentioned, in the last issue. So he's going to start off with powering in the issue that's about to come out. 
I like it. I, hopefully, it'll keep going the way it's going. Hopefully, it'll end well. And, it, and if it does, it's you know honestly, it probably would be the the best thing I read, best event I read from Johns in a while. I mean, it probably would be. It would. It's certainly better than I think any of the Lantern events that he's done in, in a great a great deal of time and a great a pretty sizable amount of time that almost everything he's the lantern events start, had a few good highlights they may have they tended to start well and sometimes they ended well like first lantern ended well but most of the stuff in between wasn't particularly good and third army wasn't good other than the beginning in the started off pretty good in the i think in the annual the green lantern annual but other than that so i like it i so i'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out and hopefully I won't be disappointed. So I would rec- highly recommend it at this point to you. Uh, I'll let you know if that opinion so holds true as we get to the end. Um, his second question uh, was about Supergirl getting a Red Lantern ring and what we thought about that. <laughs> I forgot that was his. Do you want to handle that one, I... Chad? Or you want to? You want to? You want to? <laughs> you want to pass on that one? I... I forgot that that was his second question. I think that's ironic because of what I just said about not getting Forever Evil. I will be getting all of the uh, uh, crossover tie-in issues for the uh, what is it, Red Daughter of of Krypton or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I think it's just Supergirl and Red Lanterns um, are 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 the tie-ins there. Maybe another Superman family issue here or there, um, like you know maybe Superman's perspective on Kara going bad. I don't know. Um, the previews are like 10 feet away from me, but I'm not even going to bother with it right now. Um, I make no secret that I download my comics. Um, the stuff I buy... Uh, okay, so peeling back the curtain a little bit. I do this once every episode for some reason. I don't know why. I got a job. I'm working at a Cadillac dealership. I'm making more money than I've ever made at any job I've ever been at before. But I still haven't got my first paycheck yet. So, between this job and the job I had before, it was a little less than a month between jobs. So, even though I'm gainfully employed, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the show or not, even though I'm gainfully employed, I'm at this particular moment still currently living like I'm broken jobless. So, I'm not currently paying for anything. But my standard procedure of these things is... My standard, my standard procedure of these things is um, if, if I download it and I like it, I'll go buy it. For, so I do, I do put my money towards the stuff. I'm not just one of these people who torrents a bunch of stuff and then keeps it and never buys anything ever. If I like a movie, I will go buy the Blu-ray. If I like a comic book... I will go buy the comic book. Like, for instance, one of my favorite examples is one of my favorite bands is Linkin Park. CDs are almost irrelevant these days, but I still have every single CD of Linkin Park that, that they've ever put out. When they put out Minutes to Midnight, their, their Minutes to Midnight album, I downloaded it, and I was like, just as I knew I would, I love this album. Ran over to Best Buy on one of my uh, as soon as I got off work one day, bought the album. I already had the downloaded MP3s 
in my iTunes. I could have just put it on my iPod, listened to it whenever I wanted, and moved on. And that would be it. But I still made the point to go get the CD because I wanted to support my band. That's how I feel about everything I ever download ever, including comics. No, ex- no exception. So if I like the, the Red Daughter of Krypton stuff, I'm going to go actually buy it. Now, the kind of catch-22 with Red Daughter of Krypton is, guys, we do a Green Lantern podcast. We've got Green Lantern, Green Lantern Core, Green Lantern New Guardians, Red Lanterns, Threshold we still have to finish, Larflees, even though it's being canceled, we haven't gotten to yet, and Sinestro is about to start up. Not to mention the countless other stuff from the past that we've never actually covered on the show that we'll eventually be getting to at some point in whatever random part of the future you want to mention. That is a shit ton of comics. And forgetting all the past stuff, with four ongoing current titles, Threshold, Larflees, and Sinestro, that is seven titles. I'm not paying for shit and by shit i mean crappy quality comics with seven titles one of them's got to be crap so for the sake of reading all of the content and reviewing it on the show i will be downloading everything and just when i do like something i will buy the issues that's 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 the long the long part there as far as whether or not Kara should be getting a ring. I remember when CGS was doing their uh, their uh, episodes where they reviewed the first issue of every single book that the new 52 released. And I remember hear- hearing reviews from other people. From what I hear, Supergirl sucked. <laughs> and sucked hard. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, I said that intentionally. <laughs> Just to get a few laughs out there. I mean, she is Kryptonian. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I'll be looking for a new co-host already. <laughs> Every episode, I gotta do something to just drive them away. <laughs> Send those resumes in. <laughs> That's right. Uh, make them shiny. Um, no, but uh, I, heard, I heard awful, awful, awful things about Supergirl. Now it's it's is it Tony Bedard who's taking over Supergirl? I believe so. Yes, I've read an I know I read an interview. I can't remember everything that I read in that interview, uh, or barely anything I read in that interview. Um, but it seems like Tony wants to take it in a, in a different direction. Tony is a guy I trust. We've had him on the show before as far as interviews. He's got a good track record with me as far as the comics that he's written that I have read. Um, so I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Um, from what I have heard about New 52, New 52 Kara, apparently it's supposed to make sense that she would be getting a Red Lantern ring. Regardless, I'm willing to give it a bit of... Like I said earlier, uh, I'll give everything its shot. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll read it and see if it makes sense, if it's, if it's cool, you know. I, I, don't, I don't see why not. Are, are you going to read it? I'm... A- I think I'm only going to read Red Lanterns because that's, I don't think I'm going to, I mean, if it really grabs me and I find it interesting, I'm not going to rule it out that I would, that I would buy, especially with Bedard doing it, that I would, I would buy it. 
by Supergirl. I've, I think I mentioned before, if not, I've talked, you know, off air, we've talked about it before. It's hard to, sometimes it's really, when it comes to adding different books that that I'm going to get on a regular basis, it's, it's such a fine line sometimes. I mean, I have interest in books, I get them, but after a while, if it's not keeping my interest, it comes down to, am I ever going to, you know, is is there either anything in these storylines that I really think I'm going to have to reread down the road because it's going to be important, or do I really think I'm ever going to have a personal desire to go back in and flip through these issues again ever? And if the answer to both those questions becomes no, then and I'm not really enjoying the book now, then I usually then I usually drop it. Um, there's not a whole lot that I'm getting right now, other than Lantern books. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to get – I'm getting Spider-Man right now to the end to see how they're going to get rid of Doc Ock and because they're doing no, – anything to do with the Green Goblin and, and everything, I'm more – I've been in – I still read. I haven't really touched Spider-Man much otherwise in the last few years. I've, but I'll, I'm, re- I'm going to read that. I'm, I'm going to add – which will lead into our next question. I'm going to add Sinestro. Um, I'm reading Justice League, which is another question. So we may – both those are questions on his list, but we'll, that I am reading Justice League 3000 right now. Can't guarantee I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, first two issues I found interesting enough to probably get the third. It's a fine line. Like uh, I don't know if my interest in I like Red Lanterns right now as a book. Certainly much. It's much more interesting, and I look forward to it a lot more than I did. I don't know if it's enough to make me want to branch out and get another title related, even short term related to Red Lanterns. Mm-hmm. But Bedard makes it. You know, we know Bedard has a good track record just from any. You know he we know he gets lanterns in generals, so it might be something worth checking out. But I right now I lean toward no and just read what's going on in the Red Lantern title itself. Yeah. And uh, as far as Sinestro, just segueing into it, we will be covering Sinestro on the show at some point, guys. At some point, and we'll be getting to the Larfleet stuff, and we'll be finishing Threshold. But we're in no really. We're in no, we really, we're really gonna do threshold. Really, you know what I might do? I might see if I can guilt trip Jim or Dan, one of one or both, to come back on, just oh, to talk. To, for that. I would love. I, I bet I, I would not be the only one. I guarantee there would be people out there who would love to hear Jim and Dan not only come back, but come back for some shitty comics. <laughs> That'll be the next drunken episode. We'll all be drunk for that. That's right. Everybody will be getting drunk and we'll be reviewing Threshold. So <laughs> we'll have four people on the line drunk off their asses talking about how horrible Threshold was. <laughs> I'll have to call in sick for the Threshold episode. <laughs> I don't mind doing. I don't mind doing the Laura Flea stuff because at least I've been. At least I do read that stuff. Yeah. I mean, Thre- Threshold was some. Threshold was one of those books that, I, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever done this. That one of those books that at least you keep you pick up, and if somebody asked you, even after the next day after you got the issue, what happened in it, you would have no freaking clue what it was because you just kind of flipped through it real quick. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Plus, I bought Threshold just because Laura Flees was the backup story. If, if that was, if that had not been in that book, I never would have bought Threshold to begin with. <laughs> So I'm much more. I'd be much more interested in doing the doing the the Larfleet stuff, especially because the last few issues, especially since they've kind of had the uh, you know the revolt or the I think it's the revolt of the Orange Lanterns, or whatever. But that's 
that's been interesting. Whenever Lorfees is actually in the book, it's interesting. When they go off on their tangents with, with his butler and all this other crap, I don't really care about it. <laughs> but I don't think we'll have to worry about Lorfees all that much because there's people – I'm sure – Sinestro getting his book is paving the way for Laura Fleece's book to go bye-bye anyway. Most people think that. I think it makes sense based on sales. So I think Sinestro is much more worthy to be covered on a regular basis. Um, Even if if we do with Sinestro, maybe kind of what we did to play catch-up with New Guardians instead of just doing where we're... Ideally, I think Chad and I, we may have... We've talked about this certainly at least amongst ourselves that eventually the goal I think is to get back to what, how the episode reviews used to be where whatever we'd be reviewing all the la- the main four lantern titles of each month in one episode. That we'd like, we'd be doing all like issue 28 of all the different, I think that's what we're gearing towards again. Once I don't know if we're going to do it before we catch up. Maybe we will. I don't think we've really discussed or how we're going to cover the issues past lights out, but certainly that's the goal. Once we get caught up again to kind of just, do all do the current issues of all the books, boom, boom, boom in one episode. Just the four issues. Sinestro might be something that might be worthwhile. Maybe if we're not going to include it into that in that kind of format, to maybe do like two or two or three issues at one time. Yeah. Kind of like how we did New Guardians and even did Lights Out. But either way, I'm looking forward to the book. Um, we talked about that. I am looking forward to the book. I'm hoping it's going to be good. Uh, Seems like an interesting take. Some people have pointed out that it that kind of sounds Red Lantern-ish, the way, their, their approach, but it is Sinestro. It's going to have – the Sinestro core is going to play a role in it. Seems like Sinestro is going to have – he's going to have a kind of a new – new is probably not the proper way. He's going to have a different outlook or certainly he's going to have a different task for his for the Sinestro core, which, of course, not everyone seems is going to be on page on the same page about – which could make it interesting. It'd be nice to see Arkillo again. I think it would be interesting to see Arkillo interact, and who knows when this would happen, with Kyle and St. Walker when St. Walker gets back into the game too, since obviously Arkillo has different kind of relationships with both of them. Certainly, despite the fact he will deny it, we know Arkillo likes St. Walker. We know he thinks that he's, he really feels a kinship or a friendship with St. Walker, though he'll deny it you know, to his grave. And Kyle, he kind of has some kind of respect for Kyle, even again, even though you may have to drag him kicking and screaming to admit it, but obviously we know Sinestro has no respect for Kyle whatsoever. So it could be, and plus now that Arkillo's back and he has a core again, he's been so coreless for a while, even before they were wiped out, he still was kind of on his own, doing his own thing. It'd be interesting to see if how his role changes, since you would assume he's going to still, he is going to be the de facto leader when Sinestro is not around. So all those things interest me about the book. So I'm certainly much more gung-ho about that book than when they announced Laura Fleets. I didn't think Laura Fleets was going to be great. I was, I, was, I was committed to getting it, and I don't regret getting it, but I think I have higher expectations for the Sinestro book. And I think DC clearly has higher expectations since the rumors about this book uh, beginning had been going on for, I don't know if it's been, been a year yet, but certainly for half a year since I think the fall, at the very least, beginning of the fall, there was talk, or the summer fall the summer that there was talk about the Sinestro ongoing and it just wasn't a time frame for when it was going to launch but clearly since they just the announcement just came out of the bl- relatively boom 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 he's getting his own book boom 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 it's coming out in April obviously it's been on the planning stages for a while so yeah and the last question he said about uh, JL 3000 I guess we'll just end on that because we're, all, we're almost uh, 
three. Yeah, we're almost at the three hour mark, guys. So, um, uh, JL three thousand. Eh, I wanted to get it. Okay, when it was solicited, I wanted to get it. Then they fucked the creative team over, and that pissed me off. Um, and then the new direction seemed a little darker, a little more new fifty two ish. Uh, and that kind of bugged me out, but I still kind of like the idea. Um, so on concept, I was going to get it. Um, and again, like I said, I'm behind on a lot of titles right now. So uh, the first two issues are out, right? Yes, yes. I, and I've heard some bad stuff. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that Shag uh, from the Fire and Water podcast and FirestormFan.com, as we discussed earlier... Uh, he has this theory that we've been messaging back and forth with a few other people about that uh, that Justice League 3000 is actually a backdoor Legion title. That Keith Giffen is he's he's the one who's writing it. I think so. Giffen is has a, a long history with the Legion, and uh, and even though he says it's a not a, a, a Legion title. You know, the idea of them being clones or whatever is, is a kind of messed up idea or whatever, whatever it may be. Apparently, like, for instance, Shag says Superman isn't Superman. Superman, he thinks, is Ultra, uh, is Ultra Boy. Ultra Boy could only use one power at a time. Apparently, this Superman uh, can't fly and can't. Do something else. One of the one of his other powers is gone. He doesn't have he doesn't have heat vision. That part I definitely remember. And he can't because he, he can't fly. I'm trying to remember if he couldn't fly. I thought he could, but I but I but I could I could be wrong because I it's been a while since I even read the first issue and I kind of, I did gloss a little bit through the second. All issue. right. So so what he's saying is what Shag's saying is he's he's Ultra Boy, but doesn't know it. So he thinks he's super. It's a whole whatever. Um, apparently, uh, he thinks Flash is Lightning Lad. He's got the red hair. He's got lightning all over him. You got that theme there. He thinks that um, Green Lantern may be Cosmic Boy. He said that that's a little bit of a stretch, just because causes will. He thinks Wonder Woman eh, kind of up in the air. He thinks Batman is Brainiac. No powers, just lots of smarts. Um, and, uh, and and the more we look at it, the more it's it's it, it kind of is possible. Apparently, Cadmus is involved. Cadmus is big into science. It's in science. It's a it's a big science uh, organization in the future. When you think Legion and science and an organization organization in the future, what do you think? Science police, um, you know, and and a whole bunch of other stuff. Apparently. Um, there have been some Legion type stuff, uh, mentioned in this series, like the Persuader, which is one of the, um, the Legion of Supervillains, uh, 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 members. So apparently there's a, a few things in this title that are kind of subtle hints to, hints to the Legion. I like the Legion. I've always liked the Legion, um, when they're, especially when they're written good, uh, which is rare, but, but when they are written good, I love them. Um. Uh, Keith Giffen is hit or miss for me, um, but put it put. Long story short, because we're coming really close to this three hour mark here. Long story short, I was interested when it was solicited. When they changed creative teams, I was pissed. But the 
concept stayed roughly the same. So I was still interested at, at, at concept. I heard bad reviews, but now that this whole possible Legion tie-in is is there, I'm gonna have to at least read a couple of issues to see if 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 there's anything to that. Um, on surface, on facts, from what I'm hearing from other people only, it sounds like it could be a viable theory, but I'm gonna have to read it to see it see it for myself. So. Uh, there, there's no other way. <laughs> and since uh, DC currently isn't publishing a Legion title, but for some reason next year, uh, this this September's event is, uh, you know, because for on the anniversary of every uh, uh of the New Fifty Two, they do some sort of event thing. Apparently, all the the books are going to be jumped forward five years. So whatever, I don't know if it I don't know <laughs> if it's ongoing or briefly or whatever. What, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, that'll be a four-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> um, and you're right; he can't fly. He can't. Okay. Fly. He just jumps. He, he leaps. He leaps more than more than than his. So he doesn't really have the ability to fly. Okay. And I know he doesn't have heat vision because he because th- he threatens to to use heat vision on Batman, and Batman points out you don't have heat vision. Well, we'll see. Whenever um whenever Ultra Boy first showed up, we're talking sixties. Uh, like the, the the actual first appearance of Ultra Boy, I think Clark thought he was a Kryptonian, but he wasn't. He has all the powers of Superman. I think all of them. I don't know if he has super speed. I don't know. He he's got almost it, if not all, almost all of Superman's powers, but he can only use one power at a time. Like for instance, if he's in space with no protective gear. He can use invulnerability, but he can't go flying around unless he has his Legion ring. You know what I mean? So, right. so um, that that's you know, like for instance, maybe he's just using his super strength to leap around, and whatever other powers he's using. Again, like I said, I I'm relying on other facts. So yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna read at least two or three issues of of Justice League three thousand, regardless. So, was there any other questions that Jesse had? I believe those were the. I think we covered all. I think we covered the main ones. I think we covered them all. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, we got two marathon episodes back to back here for you guys with uh, Villains Month and with this Lights Out thing. So uh, obviously we're not going to be doing Facebook feedback. We'll save that for another episode. So uh, Mark and I will discuss off air at some point uh, uh, what uh, we'll be doing for the next few episodes. So uh, we don't know for sure, but I'm sure. Uh, we've been doing back-to-back review episodes uh, for a while now. Uh, this is what our sixth, uh, fifth, or sixth one. Uh, six, right? Mm, yes, it should be six. We did, okay. yeah, we did all the one, the first three issues of all four books. Then we did, and we did the Villains Month and Lights Out. So that should be six. Yeah, that's that's six review episodes in a short amount of time, or shorter than we're used to. Um, so. Please, I'm I'm pretty sure a random episode is is in the works for the for the next thing you hear from us guys, and don't be pissed because a six episodes of review is uh is pretty good I think, um, so but we'll talk about it off air. So uh, you want to close us out, Mark? Sure. Right. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. Uh, there you can access our forums besides checking out our galleries and other cool stuff. 
I'll mention ever so briefly, but hopefully it won't matter by the time this is aired that in current at the current state of things in our current status quo where we are today, the Lantern Cast website has had issues for at least the last week. There's been some clerical issue with the renewal of the domain, which we're trying to square away. Hopefully this won't be an issue by the time you hear this, but if for some bad and some bad luck or I should say some bad luck befall us and it's still down then that's the reason why we figured it was worth acknowledging but hopefully it'll be back in running smoothly long before this episode airs you can follow us on twitter use hashtag glcast you can follow us on facebook like us on facebook we are on itunes and stitcher and if you like us on itunes please leave a positive review Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please call us at 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>